This week we are covering episode 9, the finale of the season, titled The Beast in the Jungle. Lots of um, thoughts and emotions on this one. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot to get into. I think I'll be okay during the the episode itself. I'm not going to make any promises, but I think I'm not going to cry while we're covering it, but... I can't say the same for the the emotional if, state I was in while watching the episode a couple of times. <laughs> uh huh. Well, I'll tell you this: if you cry, I'll cry with you. I All promise. right. <laughs> no, nobody cries alone um, around me. So, um, right. and I can't I can't promise that I'm not going to get emotional. I, you know, just rethinking some of these things and replaying them, and I think like talking about them makes them even more real than just watching. So, I mean, I was definitely had some tears going while watching, but sometimes, you know, really taking that deep dive and analyzing things um, might, might bring it out even more. So no worries. We'll, we'll get through this together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we certainly had a lot of uh, people who had some thoughts on this episode too. So um, I feel a little bit better that you and I are not quite alone. We've got oh, all yeah. of our awesome listeners that are, have traveled, um, you know, on this journey with us mm-hmm. and, uh, and come through for us. So I, I can't believe we're here. It's kind of surreal. I know. <laughs> kind of like, oh my gosh, we're really recording on the finale. We, it, in one way it felt like it happened really fast and other ways it felt like, oh yeah, this is kind of appropriate. You know, I feel like we've, you know, had a lot of story that we've talked about and a lot of great episodes, but it feels very strange to be here. Yes. I was but not I'm ready excited. to start it. Like when I got to like, <laughs> time to actually watch the episode for the first time, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to do this. I'm not ready. Yeah, it, it was hard to watch this episode because I thought, oh gosh, it's this is it. Once this is, this is the you know last episode of Bly Manor I'm going to watch for the first time. I should say, um, yeah. You know, of course, we can watch it a second time or go watch the series again. But like, this will be the the last episode that I watched for the first time and then that's it. Then, then we'll complete our coverage on it. And then it's, it's always sad sometimes wrapping up a show, um, especially something that sits with you as long as what Bly Manor does. Yeah. So, but I think it will be, at least I'm hoping anyway, it'll be kind of therapeutic to talk about it. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll hopefully feel a little bit better. I'm sure the feelings will still be with us, but you know, it'll be a little cathartic to talk it out, hopefully. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. That's what I keep telling myself because I'm like, I have to feel better. I need to feel better after <laughs> after this. So yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so just in general, we're both talking about how emotional it made us and the feelings that were stirred while we were watching. I'm guessing you liked it. Do you have some just oh. general thoughts? Yeah. I mean, yeah, my like general thoughts, like on my notes, just starts with in all caps, so many tears <laughs> yeah i was just like oh it i've ugly crying i'm like I mean, it's a good thing i just live alone in my like little apartment <laughs> and nobody can see me bawling over these fictional characters and like almost shaking crying like, <laughs> yep. it, was, uh, it was beautiful i think the story was beautiful it was tragic 
heartbreaking, horrific, but beautiful. And that's kind of the best way I can sum it up. <laughs> you were right. You were right. And I, I, I giggle not at you, but with you because, um, you know, my uh, when I watch shows like this and especially like this one and the same thing happened with Hill House, my dogs just look at me like, are you okay? Because <laughs> <laughs> I live alone, but I do have dogs. And sometimes they get worried for they come over and they're like, you know, trying to like nudge at me like are you okay what is wrong with you like they don't understand what's happening and why I'm upset um yeah when I get to ugly crying and then I'm having to go like wash my face and (laughs) pat my eyes because they're all puffy and my face is all red and yeah ugly crying around here is not a a pretty sight for sure so (laughs) I can relate um definitely happens uh with the with this show and some others yeah it this this episode stirred a lot of emotions and it was interesting how they wrapped it up. And, you know, when you thought that, oh, look, there might be a little bit of a happy ending here. But then when you realize there's still like 30 minutes, 30 or 35 <laughs> minutes left in the show, you were like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. It was like my heart sank because I thought, no way are they. I was like, oh, they're just everything's kind of nice. And, you know, this this might be good. And but then I thought, I don't know why I dared to allow myself to think that um <laughs> yeah so there's yeah, plenty of episode left for things to go wrong <laughs> yeah i thought if you have 30 35 minutes left in this in this episode in any show like this um dealing you know mike flanagan does this to us then uh, i should have known okay the, the knife to the heart is coming soon yes and it and it did so what a journey Oh, well, with that being said, um, let's go ahead and talk about our last top five uh, with Bly Manor and Paik. I would love um, for you to get us started this week with your number five. All right. Man, <laughs> it's kind of hard. Like, it wasn't hard to pick a top five, but it's, but I feel like, yeah, like the five that I picked, it's like, how do I sum up, like, not just this episode, but this whole season and this whole show with like five mm-hmm. good things to like wrap it up with. And so. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind rough. of like, you know, an homage to some of my favorite characters and moments. And so, yeah, my number five, I got to go with the wonderful Hannah Gross. Oh, yes, please do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've started a lot of episodes with her, I feel like. And so it feels right to do it again one last time. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, mainly because we do, we pick up the episode right there with her again in her memory with Owen. And she's talking about, you know, I'm dead and this. And, like, then she starts confessing her love to Owen. And I I was just like, all right, let's just start this episode off making me cry. Thanks. Thanks a ton, Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan, like, you're, you know. Good start. I already knew you were going to wreck me in this episode. But, like, right off the bat, okay, cool. Let's, why not? (laughs) It was interesting because it was, like, mid-scene almost, right? Yeah. Yeah. And. You know, it's kind of, yeah, where she's picking up in that memory and then it's her, kind of the new version of that memory where she knows that she's dead and she has to remind herself of that. Yeah. And then it kind of comes to that point with Owen where she's like, you know, it admits to him like she is in love with him and would have loved to be able to go with him to Paris and spend the rest of her days together with him. And then you get that, you know, reminder from him that, but this isn't me. This is you. I'm you in a memory. And you can't just stay here in this memory forever because the real life me is still out there. 
and you've got to save me and everybody else from the dangers of this house and what's going on. It has to kind of push her back out into the present. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like kind of, he mentions, I have it kind of paraphrased here that, you know, her staying hidden in her own mind isn't going to do anybody any favors. That, you know, you're, you're stronger and braver than that. And then you just hide away in your memories. Yeah. And so it was then really sad though, because like she goes out and she does attempt to do to her best ability, whatever she thinks she might be able to do, but it really doesn't amount to anything. Yeah. Where she tries to stop Viola and she just like walks right through her, which was creepy. And it was, yeah. Yeah. And there's just really nothing she can do at that point. Then she's just, you know, shocked and scared. And then Owen and Jamie pull up and she's, yeah, you shouldn't be here, but but since you're here, like you, you need to help. We need to do something. She can't do much other than just as a ghost. Then when Henry dies kind of in the between, they say he's kind of in limbo. She kind of gets mm-hmm. that last final moment and we'll get into all the specifics of what happens and all that. But, but yeah, it has that kind of moment where she's standing there with kind of the ghost <laughs> limbo version of Henry and, and is telling him just like make sure Owen knows that I I loved him and you know be there for him when he finds the body. Let him know about the body in the well and you know just just you know give him give him the news the best you can and tell him that I loved him. And then she just kind of disappears forever, and that's it. That's the end of Hannah Gross. It was really sad. <laughs> it was very sad. I really fell in love with the character of Hannah and T- uh, Tania Miller just yeah. was just amazing throughout this whole series. And I really would love to go back and watch um, other things that she's done. Cause I think she's just brilliant. And I really hope that this show puts a spotlight on her. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I didn't know her from anything until this series. So I, I hope that, she, you know, this, does put a spotlight on her other work and people go out and, you know, check that out. And, um, she gets a lot more work because of this, because she was absolutely brilliant. And yeah, that, you know, I loved, you know, being back in that scene again with her and Owen. And I, I know it wasn't really Owen. Um, but you know, it's her version of Owen anyway. And, you know, as she's having that, conversation with him and you know like you said she's you know talking about the life that they could have had and the things they could do and how she loves being there in that memory you know with him like this is where she wants to be and that's you know we noticed that in um, you know the earlier episodes that's the memory that she keeps coming back to that day yeah you know that she's there with, with Owen and you know you can tell immediately that this um that how much that means to her because that's what she keeps going back to um and it was just gut wrenching, you know, mm-hmm. when she does mention that, you know, to Henry and tells him that, you know, she's like, I'm sorry, tell, tell him that I love him and the rest is just, and then when she disappears, um, do you know what she was going to say? I mean, is it, it has to be a reference to the first, to Hill House, which I guess uh-huh. you can't really bring this up without spoiling things that people haven't watched it, maybe not in yeah. context, but I mean, it feels like it has to be a, a reference to it's all just confetti. Yeah. And there was a few of those kind of I've seen sprinkled throughout 
here that there's a lot of parallels between Hill House and Bly Manor in those ways that even like Flora's speech episodes back we talked about about you know dead doesn't mean gone mm-hmm. where they have that realization in Hill House would be like you know just because I'm dead I'm still here you know there's there's a lot of these like yeah those little parallels like that yeah there are there have been uh, uh, several callbacks to um, Hill House for sure and I, I I love that so much and and Mike Flanagan did confirm that so if anyone's wondering like well are you guys sure about that I'm sure because Mike Flanagan did did confirm that in a tweet they asked him on Twitter and he said yes she was that was what she, what she was going to say until um uh, until she disappeared and couldn't say mm-hmm. it but it was it was lovely I it's one of my favorite lines from Hill House which yeah. I I feel like hopefully that's not too much of a spoiler if, if anyone hasn't watched Hill House yet because it's kind of out of context. Um, but it's definitely one of my favorite lines from, again, one of my favorite characters in in Hill House. And again, I, I'm going to sound really preachy and like a broken record. I don't care. People go out go out and watch Hill House. It's, it's definitely um, good. And we'll, if, you, if you need a good cry, like with Bly Manor, um, it'll take you there. Yeah, but yeah, just heart wrenching the whole whole thing with Hannah and Owen, and I loved that scene as well. That was actually my number four. So, um, awesome. It was and I beautiful. found the I found the thing I was thinking about. I should have put it in my notes. Whatever. Yes, yeah, like some of these mm-hmm. uh, little connections, which I'll try to give them without much context. But you know, I'll give the Hill House line first, and then the, okay. the Bly Manor line a second. But we have you know, this is our forever house. Going against tucked away in the forever house. Oh yeah. Then we have our moments fall around us like the rain or snow or confetti, and then our moments are supposed to be like chapters, markers. No, that's not it, is it? And then you know, I learned a secret. There is no without. I am not gone. And the verses I learned a secret. Dead doesn't mean gone. Oh. So yeah. Nice. I like it. <laughs> yeah, just another tragic story with a lot of other tragic stories and characters in this, and that's Hannah and Owen. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, and I, and I know we're going to talk more about that too, but um, that 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 scene there, and then the moment when she was telling Henry, you know, tell him that I loved him, and the rest is just, and then she disappears, was um, duh. That was enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. So it's, it's going to be heavy tonight. I'm, I'm just yeah. saying it's going to be heavy. I don't know how much I'm going to try and keep it a little light and, and, and I'll, I'm sure I'll have some laughter in there somewhere, but that's because I'm trying to like not cry. So <laughs> um, that's what I do. I try to laugh it out. But it doesn't always work. That, that was a good number five. Is there anything else that you want to say about that? I think that pretty much covers it. We don't get a whole lot of her. It's kind of right mm-hmm. at the top of the episode, but yeah, short, but, but meaningful. Very, very meaningful. That's a good point. Um, well, my number five um, is I wanted to kind of just overall, as far as the story, um, what I found was, is it, wasn't really about the ghosts, um, whether they were real or symbolic. Uh, this story, f- I feel, was more about the living and what haunts them. Mm-hmm. And we spent, I think, over half of the season, like building to this moment, right? To this finale, to this moment, to what happens. And 
in so many episodes, we were turning back the clock to see how our characters got to this point. And we had this kind of quick 15 minute wrap up and we get to see some of our main characters and beloved characters. We've got Owen and Hannah and Henry um, and all of them all wrapped up. We had uh, Peter and Rebecca uh, and seeing how love, grief and guilt have been like the focus of the season of haunting. And it seemed perfect that, uh, that empathy is what got Viola. Um, it's what got through to her and broke the spell and freed everyone mm-hmm. that that's what, um, Danny felt what whenever, and as we know, Jamie was narrating, but the narrator at the time um, was saying that, you know, she felt felt it in her bones and she repeated the words that she had heard um, Peter and Re- Rebecca say to each other. Yeah. And that is what got through to Viola. And I think it seemed kind of fitting. What did you, what did you think of that moment? Did that seem to make sense to you that that's, you know, kind of what it took um, or um, I don't know. I don't know if I picked up on it that much, but I do like that, that look at it is the empathy there. Cause yeah, that is one thing that I wasn't sure. Like, what was it about, you know, because you have Rebecca saying it to, to Flora and it doesn't really affect Viola at all, but I guess it is the coming from somebody living to another living person or I guess kind of, cause I guess she was trying to kind of say it to, to Flora maybe, or maybe not really saying it to anybody, but just to that situation. Like this seems to hold some kind of weight and whatever's going on. So mm-hmm. yeah, but I do, I like, I like where you, you know, there's like that empathy of, you know, that that's, what's going to pull Viola. I was seeing somebody being able to just throw that out on the line and be like, I don't know what this is going to do, but you know, I don't care how dangerous you are, what this situation is like, I have to do something and put myself on that block. And I think, right. Yeah. That is important. Yeah. I mean, she was definitely making a a big sacrifice there and, and what she was doing. She had just, you know, we, we had the whole episode, you know, it was the, what the two faces part two, where, you know, she was in the attic and, you know, Mm -hmm. tied up and she kept seeing, these exchanges happening between, you know, Peter and Miles and Flora and Rebecca or um, yeah, Flora and Rebecca. And she was kind of understanding a little bit about what that was all about. And I think she understood what she was doing. And, and I think it also makes sense because in, in the last episode, when we talked about, um, you know, Viola and her sister, and then, you know, there was that little piece of the interview that I saw from Kate Siegel, who played the lady of the lake that she felt her character, you know, what she was feeling was more of love, not vengeance or hate. And to me, that's how it kind of made sense that that is what kind of got through to her a little bit. And she's seeing the love from Danny versus like fear. Right. (laughs) That's, that's just was kind of my take on it, but I just, I, I just loved how they kind of brought all of that about and that that's kind of the feelings that encompassed this whole story. And yeah. that seemed to be kind of what it was really about and what it, 
that's what it took to stop Viola once, you know, once and for all and to kind of break the spell that was happening over, over Bly Manor was, was love and, and empathy. And I think that she, you know, the love that I think Danny felt for, for Flora, you know, trying to, trying to say, cause there was nothing, anytime that somebody got in her way, I mean, we saw what happened to Henry when he got in her way and tried to stop her. Um, You know, Hannah as a ghost was unable to stop her. Rebecca was unable to stop her. Um, But, you know, through what Danny felt for Flora, trying, you know, trying to help her, that's that's how she got through i think so i just yeah. i thought that was kind of nice so yeah, how it feels good. like this whole series is kind of what that was about um so that's that's my top five i'm gonna have a lot more to talk about as we go oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway <laughs> what is your number four my number four is another great character that uh mentioned a little bit and part of you know we can't talk about hannah and her relationship with Owen without talking about Owen himself. Mm-hmm. And so my number four, I went with Owen, which I think this was the first appearance of major ugly crying tears for me. Yes. Was through Jamie's narration. You know, I'll go ahead and jump to just calling her that at this point. We know that for sure. Yep, might as well. Yep. That, you know, she talks about, you know, how much that Owen actually ended up really loving Hannah as well. That just oh, through the backstory, yeah. we don't see any of these things happen really, but just her quickly kind of going over it had that much of an impact of he stayed with the body every step, cared for it until it was buried. You know, he got people together and helped pull it out of the well. And then he rode with the body and he made sure to see into it himself that he cleaned her body and cared for her and made sure she was presented right and stayed with her until she was buried and gone. And it was this very, you know, because he loved her and always did and probably to this day still does. And then he goes, what really got me then is him going into the chapel and lighting that candle in her honor. Oh my gosh. And I lost it. That was, I was done at that point. <laughs> Tap <Me too>. out. <laughs> I might be now just talking uh, about it. I'm, <laughs> it's, yeah. I have tears now thinking about it. Yeah. And then he does, he continues to do things in honor and love of her. Yes. Because then the next time we see him, we get that awesome scene of Danny and Jamie going to Paris after their engagement, even though, you know, back, this is still kind of 80s, 90s at this point where, you know, mm-hmm. gay marriage is still not a we thing that's right, you know, we even considered. There yet. But, <laughs> yeah. and I love, you know, that's more of a different point. But yeah, but having that, you know, it's like, I oh, know we can't technically get married, but it's enough for us. And so they, they fly to Paris to celebrate and they go to Owen's restaurant that he has opened. He's gone on on his own and he's done it and he's made that dream come true. Yeah. And of course, in perfect Owen fashion, he's named the place a batter place. (laughs) (laughs) You knew he had to. And I I know. And I love that he, not just because he's a punny individual, but he did it in honor of Hannah Mm -hmm. because when they joke with him about the name and he, the first thing he says, you know, after, you know, yeah, people give an eye roll every now and then he goes, but she hated it. Like, you know, it drove her crazy, my puns and stuff. But then eventually I would wear her down and her, she would laugh. And that's the most beautiful thing was her laugh. And so it's almost kind of in honor of her that he has given his restaurant this punny name 
just to be like, if Hannah was here and Hannah could see this, she'd hate it until she loved it. Yeah. And then, you know, he's got her picture hung up in a very special place on the wall in the <sighs> restaurant. And it, everything is in honor and love of her. And I love that about Owen. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. And then it, their conversation. there. Yeah, it was very beautiful. And I love just so the rest of my point, I guess, is kind of the rest of that scene is them talking with him where he's stayed in touch with Henry and the kids a little bit more than Danny and Jamie have. And they, you know, said they even came over to Paris and came to the restaurant and talked with him for a little bit. And he says that, you know, it's an interesting thing that when talking to them, that Flora and Miles don't seem to have any recollection of anything that happened. Like they know like, Oh yeah, Hannah, that's that lady that used to like be the housekeeper and you were the cook there. And we had this, you know, they don't mention Danny, but I'm assuming they remember like, Oh yeah. And we had an au pair and a, a gardener, but then that's when we were kids. And then we, we moved back to the States with Henry and that's what we do now. And they don't remember the things that happened. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. indeed hearing those details, but, um, yeah, yeah Which is, just, I guess is good. Yeah. They don't remember Peter and Rebecca. And the lady in the lake and all these terrible things. And I agree with Owen is what he says, you know, should we tell them, you know, do you think that they'll be told? And Owen just says, you know, if they're happy and living these good lives and away from all of us, like let them be, let them live. Cause they're not holding on to the trauma that we were scared that they would. So why even worry about giving them that? Just let them be who they are. Exactly. And I, I think that there's something, and I don't know if that had, you know, I kind of mentioned earlier about the spell being broken at Bly Manor and it, it released, you know, the ghosts that were, you know, held there by um, Viola's gravity. And, you know, I, I, I wonder if that was part of the spell or if that was just part of kind of that sometimes what happens when children go through trauma, it, it allows them to kind of forget some of those details and the horrors that they went through so they can have a good life and move on from that and it not stick with them. Um, you know, sometimes that happens and I mean, that's a good thing when it can happen if they are able to kind of move on. So I, I, I agree. It's like, you know, let, let them move on and why, why weigh them down with those, you know, traumatic things that they went through. It's enough that they've lost their parents. I'm sure they haven't forgotten that. Um, you know, and what that was like, but they've been able to move on and not remember, you know, Peter being killed in front of them. Um, you know, what, you know, what happened with Hannah, which I think only miles was there, but I don't think he remembers cause he was possessed by Peter. So he has no memory of it. Um, yeah. and they assume that she just took a, a, a tumble, um, you know, and, and landed down the well. Um, so yeah, why, why would we want to tell them that? But it is kind of sad to know that, they don't really, you know, over time don't really remember Danny um, and, and the sacrifice that she, that she made, you Mm -hmm. know, for them and especially for Flora saving her and essentially saving miles too. Cause miles was supposed to be remember so far gone. He was gone. Yeah. If it wasn't for that like curse being broken, then that was going to be the end of it for him. Right. Yeah, and I think they didn't even realize how much time had gone by. I did like the you know, little uh, exchange that they have where, you know, Owen mentions like the when they came and visited that, yeah, and oh, Flora brought her boyfriend, which it must be a pretty, you know, serious relationship that she's bringing him to Paris with them to, you know, as a family outing. And 
I love how Jamie's just like a boyfriend. She's 12. It's like, she's 17. (laughs) (laughs) Which that was cool. It's like, okay, so that means it's been nine years since what happened at the house that last night from this point. Yeah. It helped. Yeah. You, you kind of, trying to figure out the time a little bit was a little tricky, but I think if you really look at it, you can, you can kind of piece together, you know, the time that's went by. So yeah, you're right at that point. Um, it was nine years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So kind of sad to think that they don't at least remember at least more details about Hannah other than, oh, yeah, she was our housekeeper there at, at Bly. And, you know, she sometimes stayed there with us. I think that they loved Hannah and had very fond memories of her. And it's kind of sad they don't remember that. And, again, don't mm-hmm. remember Danny and what she did for them. And um, But, again, that might be part of the sacrifice on their part is to not remember the trauma, but also they have to kind of sacrifice some of those good memories too, maybe. Yeah. And I guess it just keeps getting <laughs> – I don't know if worse is the right word, but, yeah, they forget more and more as they get older because when yeah. you get to the point – I mean, we'll talk about it. The reveal kind of right at the end is – that Flora is the wedding that they're at. And she's been sitting there listening to this story the whole time. And the only thing she picks up on it is, Oh, that's funny. My middle name is Flora too. But you know, the, the talking about, you know, Henry, which I mean, her uncle Henry is there with her, but she's not putting these things together. You know, she mentions the name Danny and this, and none of that registers to Flora. And so you realize like, she really doesn't remember any of this, even, you know, you know, she talked about like Bly Manor and stuff. She's like, Oh, that you know none of that yeah. thing none of that really registers to flora yeah well and i think that also because when jamie's telling the story you know that that lady sitting next to her asks so if i get on um a plane and fly to england will i find that manor will i be able to see the lady in the lake and she admitted to if you, you you'll not find such a place because it wasn't really named Bly and it wasn't really where she said it was. Mm-hmm. And I, so, you know, so maybe that, she's changed a bunch of these names. Yeah. To keep, I wonder so, how much she's changed. So maybe Flora and Miles weren't actually even their names. She was yeah. even middle names or something like that. So like maybe all of these people's names were different. Yeah. In the story which, she's telling. So it doesn't tip off Flora. What was that? It was her childhood story. <laughs> And that's where I'm not quite sure. Yeah. I was like, well, were their names the same? Because um, she's there at this wedding with this bride who we know has to be Flora. And she's like, it's strange how you knew the name to pick because my middle name's Flora. And she just has, Jamie just has like this knowing smile on her face, you know? Um, so I wonder if their names are the same, but then it would be like, well, well, gosh, my middle name's Flora and my brother's name is Miles. And that's really weird. Um so yeah, I'm not. She's a bit of a um, unreliable narrator here. So I'm yeah. You know, it's hard to kind of maybe because she you know even when she's telling the story of you know last episode, of, we'll we'll say his name's Willoughby, and then we see Willoughby on the names of the you know on the stones and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, unreliable narrator to where maybe all the information we've we've been given is not actually the real names of the real events, but it's just what we're given through the lens of the story she's telling at this like wedding party the night before. Right. Yeah. I, I wondered about that. That was really good. A lot happening there. 
<laughs> yeah, went on a little tangent from my initial number, just like with the topic of Owen, yeah. but, but it's cool. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like I'm probably going to be drifting a lot too because I feel like <laughs> there's all of this kind of ties together when you see how it all comes together and how it all ties and how it all wraps up. It's all related. So I, I feel like I might be going off on a few tangents too. So don't apologize. Um, <laughs> I'm probably going to do that myself. That was that was great. Um, well, that kind of touched on my number four as well because it was my number four was Hannah and Owen. And cool. I talked about the Hannah part. I think we've covered a good portion of Owen. I'm sure I'm not really done talking about him. I'm sure there's going to be some more details and things that we talk about, but I yeah. think that kind of wrapped up mine as well. Um, what about your number three? My number three, they've been a point so many times throughout this season, <laughs> which Danny and Jamie. So I just titled this one, Danny and Jamie forever. Oh boy. Now <laughs> here's come, here's going to be the waterworks. So <laughs> yeah, man. So, you know, I'm touching more on just their relationship after the events of this night. Yes. And, you know, it, it starts off, we can start while we're still at the manor of where we get the title of this episode. And, you know, Danny is horrified of this beast in the jungle of her mind that is Viola, you know. But I love that Jamie is there for her in this moment, mm-hmm. being her just like most Jamie self of like, well, you know, while you're waiting on this beast to come and take you, can I sit with you? You know, she's very irreverent about what Danny's going through, but it's like never in a hurtful or insulting way. Like she knows how, like that's just like kind of their relationship in this humor. She knows how to yeah, point fun at what Danny's going through, but like in a way that like is loving and Danny appreciates it. Yeah. She's always been able to do that since they've become close friends and then become lovers. It was like when Danny had confessed to her about, you know, like, Oh, Hey, I can see my dead boyfriend. And she's like, Oh, well, is he here right now? And, you know, mm-hmm. she's like, hey, dead boyfriend, you know, um, yeah. telling him to, like, take a hike and stuff. You know, it's like, she's like, okay, this, it's okay that you're going through this. I'm not going to run away and hide. I'm not going to run for the hills. This is a thing, and we're going to figure out how to get through it together. And that's yeah. what Jamie does. And that's what I love. And that's what she does in this moment, too. It's, it's yeah. awesome. And she does it throughout the episode. Like, even, you know, mm-hmm. when, when Danny sees... Violet's face in the sink and freaks out and drops the plate and stuff. She's like, you know what? That's okay. I'll do the cleaning up from now on because you're shit at it anyway. You know, and just <laughs> and you can st- you can tell Danny's still very bothered and shaken, upset. But she gives she cracks a, a chuckle for a second and then goes back to somberness. But mm-hmm. it's there, you know that she she knows how to how to get her in that way, and I love that. Yeah, they they get each other for sure. Yeah, and. uh you know, so they decide to to take off together after, you know, they're all gathered in the foyer. And that's the first time I really noticed the heterochromatic eyes. They are earlier in the episode, but when it's like daylight mm-hmm. is when I really like they popped. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Again, it's so cool when they did it with her as they did with Miles earlier. Yes. Yeah, I didn't mention that detail whenever I kind of mentioned it earlier when when Danny made that sacrifice. But yeah, you could if you if you were able to see it, even though it was dark when uh, that happened, you could see it happen. Um, yeah. Like when, no, when she's yeah. staring at her, you could see that one eye turn brown mm-hmm. um, as the camera's on her. And you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's what's happening. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. She has that for the, the the remainder of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they, you know, the kid, Henry and the kids are going to America 
to start fresh. And it looks like Danny and Jamie are wanting to do the same thing, at least for some time. But they're taking it one day at a time. And that's their big thing is because Danny's still afraid of being taken over because she knows that Viola's in there biding her time. And it's this, you know, Jamie's okay with that in a way. You know, she's like, okay, then we'll just take it one day at a time. And we'll see how long we have. And we'll enjoy every day on its own for what it is. And it's great that it ends up being probably by the end of it over a decade that they had together. Yeah, I th- I think, and, and again, I'd have to try and do the math, but I thought I read that they had like 12 or 13 years together. Yeah. Total, yeah. Which is, is great, but even at that point, they're still, you know, they get a point where they turn a corner and Danny's getting worse and worse and feels herself fading and Viola taking over more and more. And through all of that, Jamie stays loyal with her and loving and and takes on more it's like oh you you don't feel like yourself anymore and you feel yourself fading well that's okay i'll feel enough for both of us and you know you just sit there and i will do what i can and i think it's it's a beautiful thing they yeah. they open up a flower shop together in vermont which is so fitting yeah totally and, jamie's thing mm-hmm. you know they move in together they're you know living together in love and I mean just all of those scenes throughout the whole episode every time that like, I could focus on those things I just had like tears in my eyes and the biggest smile on my face it was incredible to just watch them together and then Danny as she feels Viola creeping in when she really starts feeling it she takes that moment to like propose to Jamie in the whatever way that, that they can and right. I'm just like as I'm like in my notes there's so many times I'm just like I just want them to be happy Fuck off, Viola. I, <laughs> like, I have fuck off, Exeter Viola. And I know so many times. And I'm like, just leave them be. <laughs> I know. I know. And man, yeah. That devotion that Jamie has is really my main point. Is just makes it so much more heart-wrenching, though, is, is she knows that the time is short. And, you know, but she still she del- still does everything she can. She's cooking and cleaning and and being there for Jamie, she even takes the time to like, you know, once it becomes a legal thing they can do, they move the next step and they get us, you know, they become a civil union. Right. And, but Viola just keeps coming stronger and stronger. And again, my notes just fuck off. I will leave them alone. I know. Go away, go away. Yeah. And then even to the point, like after Danny leaves and quote unquote dies, cause we're still not really on this we don't really get like a clear, clear answer whether Danny is actually dead. Cause it seems like, you know, she dies, she does die, but like, she's still there on Bly because he has, you know, she's part of Viola and they kind of work together as one. Yeah. But even at that, after that point, Jamie st- stays like forever in love with her and devoted to her to where she has this whole ritual that she constantly does where she looks at her face in the water, like Danny would to see if she can see Danny she leaves the door cracked open a little bit for her. She Everything is just in remembrance of Danny. Probably will be forever until Jamie eventually dies of old age or whatever. I feel like this is going to be her devotion for life. And uh, like I said, it's heart-wrenching, but it's beautiful. It is. It's a beautiful story. Um, and it was just, it was beautiful the time that they had together and the years that they had together. And yeah. Um, you could really, really see, you know, as we're, you know, they're showing the little, 
things that they're doing together. You know, they're in the flower shop, they're moving into their new apartment and they start giggling and making out. Um, Mm -hmm. They get in bed together and they're watching a movie and they, you know, Jamie slides up to Danny and they smile at each other. And you can see that they truly are enjoying their time together and Mm -hmm. not taking for granted the time that they have. And it, you know, it's, made me so happy that they got what so many don't get. You know, they yeah. they had a short time together. They didn't get to have their entire lives and grow old and die on the same day together holding hands or something, you know. Yeah. They didn't get that perfect ending, but what they got, you know, was great and beautiful mm-hmm. and they they did not take each other for granted and I I wish people could really look around and see what they have and maybe appreciate that a little bit more because not everybody has that. And even though it was really beautiful, it doesn't make the end any less tragic, Yeah, you know, because of what happened, but it was beautiful to see, you know, the fun that they had together. And you could really see that every day they looked at each other and said, we have another day. It's like when, when Jamie's like, we'll just take it day by day and we, you know, we'll get another day that maybe some people don't because I think Jamie realizes, you know, not everybody gets that every day. Mm -hmm. And and she realizes that. And that's why she makes that extra effort that, you know, when they're struggling, you know, even if she's upset, you know, I think that moment or that moment at the sink when, Danny saw Viola in the reflection, you know, she was kind of annoyed with her. Cause she's like, you know, Hey, are we going to talk? And, you know, then she, you know, when Danny gets, you know, freaked out by seeing Viola again, you know, and Jamie's there comforting her. So she, yeah. even in their moments, you know, when maybe they're not at their best, she's still devoted to her and wants to make her okay. And mm-hmm. it was just nice how they, they were able to wake up every day and go, we have another day. Let's right, make yeah. it the best day ever. And more. I, I wish more, more people could do that. The, the love that they showed each other was so inspiring and their unending yeah. devotion to each other was just absolutely unquestionable. And, you know, in some form, you know, Danny continues to live on with Jamie and, you know, seeing that Jamie still waits for Danny to come back to her um, was just, it's tragic Um, but beautiful. And when Jamie, you know, jumps in the lake and she's swimming and she sees Danny at the bottom of the lake. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look, you know, Danny's, both her eyes are brown in that moment. And that's when, you know, that that's when, you know, Viola has taken over, but she's still, it's like, there's enough Danny there that as Jamie is begging for her to, take me with you. And then she says, Danny wouldn't, Danny would yeah. never. And I just lost my shit. <laughs> oh, that was, that hit me so hard. That whole, uh, I cried yeah. so much throughout this whole episode, but I know I have, to. that was another one of the ones that, yeah, got me so much, but well, I've yeah. been sitting here pretty much crying the entire time we've been talking about this. That's why I'm sitting here sniffling like a fool <laughs> and having to sit here and wipe I, my runny nose. Because I'm, I'm in the same boat. I, I said I was going to try not to, but I've already had a few tears slide on down the cheek. So uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm trying ah. not to get to the point because I'm already kind of really nasally and I'm like yeah. just trying to like, okay, at least you have to sound coherent. You can't talk when you're sitting here crying. So I'm trying yeah. to hold it as much as possible. But the whole time it's just, like I said, it was just um, seeing 
what they went through together and that this was not an easy time for them to be together either. You know, this was, you know, when we started the story was 1987 and then they come to the U S and it's, you know, not an easy time for, you know, gay couples to be open. Um, you know, so every, everything that they, had to like kind of overcome, you know, to be together and stay together. And the devotion that, like you said, even when they couldn't get married yet, they couldn't quite have a civil union yet. And, 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 but they wanted to still show a commitment to each other when Danny gives her that ring and is like, you know, I don't care if we can't get married, like legally, I still want to, you know, show my commitment to you and that, you know, that I'm devoted to you and that, you know, we'll be, we'll be married in, in our own way, you know, that they can still, you know, have kind of a commitment ceremony, if you will, you know? Yeah. Um, I thought it was beautifully handled in that ways because it wasn't talked about too explicitly, but like there were little things that show, you know, of course the, you know, civil union and the, you know, and it'll be enough. We can't really, but even one thing that I noticed was when they are like, you know, start kissing and making out in the, flower shop right when it starts is you see both of them glance towards the like door and the window out to the street outside and then kind of move away from a view from that and hide kind of in the back Mm -hmm. and it was like a little quick thing that kind of showed like oh yeah like that's very looked down upon and taboo still at this time frame like how much we've moved already and progressed as a society in you know 20 years 30 years (laughs) 30 yeah, yeah like but yeah it's yeah, those little things, but yeah, I think that kind of covers other than say so just one more thing about Jamie is not just the devotion stuff, but the, she's like the positive beacon as Danny keeps, you know, slipping away and more and more. Jamie's the one that has to be positive and bring her back saying we could have so many more years. We could still have many more years. Like you thought that it was only going to last you know, days when this first started and look, it's been 10, 11 years now and we're still going day by day. So don't give up. And I think that's, it takes a lot of strength. It does. It does. And I think that, you know, Danny tried to do everything that she could to hold on and, you know, to see that when it was getting to that point where she could have hurt Jamie Mm -hmm. um, and not be able to do anything about it. And, you know, that that's when she made that choice to leave. Yeah. Um, and, and again, because she's so devoted to Jamie, you know, she wasn't going to allow herself to like, you know, now she's slipping so much that this is potentially what could happen. Yep. And she wasn't going to allow that to happen. So just, yeah, their, their story was a beautiful one. Oh yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need a shot or I need like, I don't know, go splash some cold water in my face. Heavy. I hope everybody listening is just crying along with us. We'll just have a a sob fest together. Yeah. I, yeah, we're all in this together, man. (laughs) That's for sure. That was a really great number three. Um, is there anything else you want to say about that? That's it. Okay. We covered it pretty well. I hope. Yeah, I'm sure we'll still have some other things to talk about with that. But uh, yeah, uh-huh. I think that better move on to a little something else so I don't keep crying. <laughs> um, well, my number three, I mean, a- a- another, I think, showing of love that I-, I thought was 
precious that I want to talk about. It's not a really long number three, um, and I don't have a whole lot of content, but I just really wanted to kind of point out, because I feel like it, it gets overlooked a little bit, was what Rebecca was willing to do for Flora when Viola was taking her to the lake. Um, You know, it was kind of hard for me. I had a a bit of a struggle with Rebecca in the the second half because of the whole possession thing with Flora. And I kind of struggled with that. I was like, I feel like, you know, with the things that her and Peter were doing. And I thought, you know, I was trying to, you know, reconcile with Rebecca that I feel like, loved those kids and wanted to protect the kids and, you know, did her best with those kids. Um, And then what she was doing in the second half, which didn't seem to always be in their best interest. But I feel like kind of seeing this end, you know, maybe I see it in a little bit of a different light that maybe all the times that she was possessing Flora was maybe more for her protection to tuck her away, to kind of protect her from Peter maybe. So maybe she didn't see yeah. or would be would be able to forget and just not have awareness of what was going on and what Miles was up to and you know the things that Peter was up to. Yeah. And because you between know, Rebecca and Flora, it was a game, right? Right. So I tried to you know look at it more because then in this in this moment when she you know because nobody was able to stop Viola, you know Hannah could not yeah. and Henry could not and yeah you know, everybody's just kind of sitting there like what do we do? And I'm like, Oh my God. You know, I mean, it was so such a terrifying moment when, you know, Viola takes her and, you know, just keeps walking that long walk to the lake and there's everybody's just kind of standing there like, okay, so we're just going to let Flora die now, I guess, you know, I mean, <laughs> what, yeah. what do we do? And thinking, Oh my gosh, it's really going to happen and nobody can do anything. What's, you know, this, this can't be happening. And then Rebecca steps in and says, it's okay, Flora, let me in. You don't have to feel it. I'll feel it for you. And I'll just tuck you away. Okay. And, and you'll be okay. And I thought, you know, so she can't stop her. She can't prevent this from happening, but she can prevent Flora from suffering. Yeah. And and so she doesn't have to live through her drowning like (laughs) Rebecca did. Yeah. Cause Rebecca did, you know, Mm -hmm. that's Peter left the body halfway through it and left Rebecca to suffer. Yeah. yeah. He, he vacated and, and left her as she was starting to drown and she was not able to, um, you know, get to the surface. I'm not really, it seemed like she was kind of trapped essentially there yeah. um, under the water and unable to get help. And so she, she felt that. And I think that she, you know, that was saying something about her devotion to the kids uh, to, want to at least take that on from Flora. So she didn't have to go through what she did. And that also she she didn't have to kind of be by herself. She didn't have to be alone. And in that moment, you know, she tucked her away and she was with her mother and I thought, Oh wow. So I, I liked that moment. I thought that was, I still cried a lot in that moment. but Yeah. Cause I I was very convinced. I thought, like you said, like, Oh, we're going to do this. Like Flora is gone. Yeah. Like, well, we lost miles and you know, his body's alive, but the miles that we knew is gone and now we're getting ready to lose Flora too. And she's going to be drowned and she's going to suffer. And then she's going to be trapped. Like everyone else is trapped. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, we've already seen one child. Die. I mean, you knew she was capable of it. We saw her yeah. do it in the previous episode. So yep. we knew that Viola was capable of that and what exactly was going to happen. 
so yeah, I just thought that was kind of a, a beautiful, it was short, but just a beautiful moment that Rebecca was, was willing to do that for Flora. I mean, not that she was going to get hurt over, but at least thought that there's something I can do to help ease her pain and help her through this. Yeah. She's not alone. And I was kind of like, okay, so um, I'll, I'll, get off Rebecca's back a little bit about, you know, some of the other things in the other episodes that I was yeah. like, oh, what's going on here? So I like that moment. I feel like it might've gotten overlooked a little bit. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned it. Yeah. Cool. Whew. Heavy stuff. I'm <laughs> trying to get through, through some of this stuff. Um, okay. So what is your number two? Ooh, my number two is Viola. And kind of her story through this episode. And so, yeah, what we just talked about with yours with Rebecca and stuff was part of it. But, but yeah, just kind of, I guess, her perspective or, you know, like her, her story through it. Which one of the things, I like the first one's kind of a jokey kind of thing. It's like, have the paintings of Violin Perdita been like seriously been there the whole season and I just missed it? Or have we just <laughs> not seen them? Or I was like, how did I not see like a picture of like Kate Siegel just sitting at the top of the staircase this whole season. Um, And I don't know. I haven't gone back to like rewatch after this to see if they're there, but I was like, don't tell me that they've been there the whole time and I missed it. Maybe they've been shooting around them or something. It was there the whole time. (laughs) Missed it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was, I was very convinced that Danny was a goner. Um, Cause we've been talking about that the past couple episodes. I was like, yep, she's, she's screwed. She's done. And she survived that chokehold a lot longer than I expected she would. And it was just, she held on just long enough for Flora to, to save her by, you know, asking her to let her go. And within Viola's mind, you know, we've seen, as we saw in this last, the last episode that that's what she cares about is, is the child. And so Mm -hmm. she drops Danny to pick up, Flora and it was it was terrifying and tragic but also kind of like sad and beautiful where it flashed over to Viola's perspective where it's her alive in black and white and she's carrying Isabel and she's singing Oelowele and then it flashes back mm-hmm. to dead Viola carrying Flora like moaning this song very <sighs> which was horribly. disturbing so yeah very disturbing but it's not like Viola's being like I love you. You read that interview with Kate Siegel because that's what it was from her perspective. This wasn't her taking this child away to drown her and kill her in this horrific, gruesome thing. To her, in her little world, this memory she keeps walking through, she finally has her daughter again. Mm-hmm. And so then you can so see she when she takes over, her. yeah. So when she takes over Danny, that rage and stuff within her that makes sense at that point because. She realized that's not what happened. And so, I mean, it's, you don't, you can't really paint Viola as like the villain in this situation because from her perspective, it's just as tragic. She's been tucked away in these memories since the 1600s. She's Mm -hmm. been going through this for even way longer than anybody else. And so it's still that love and, you know, that, that burns in her has fueled all this tragedy to where, yeah, it's, she's not the bad, bad guy, the villain. It's just all of these kind of intermingled stories of tragedy. Yeah. Which I feel like 
seeing how she still is looking for her child. She just wants to be reunited with her child in that bedroom. You know, that's, that was her bedroom and, you know, sleeping with her child by her side was all that she wanted and, you know, kept looking for a child there. And, and then the fact that Danny was able to get through to her shows me that there's some semblance of, of, of something there, a Viola, yeah. you know, that's not all terrible. Yeah. It was enough to, to release that curse, that gravity well, as they, mm-hmm. you know, was referring to it as to where, and we get that moment, we see, you know, Perdita one last time, we see the plague doctor disappear, you know, Peter and Rebecca go away, you know, Miles is released from Peter's grasp, which, you know, this isn't like any point, it's like an extra note, but I had that moment between Peter and Miles where Peter's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and Miles is just fucking pissed. The look <laughs> on his face. He, he looks at, yeah, I was, I was, wondering what, what that was i'm like is it anger is it confusion because i feel like there was some anger there like i think it was miles is a smart enough kid to where like i think he realized the manipulation and violation that he had been experiencing and he was like no don't apologize to me and then when peter is gone i feel like miles is kind of like me in that moment like good fucking riddance like i will yeah. not cry for you bye <laughs> <laughs> but I was surprised at what, I mean, Peter saying he was sorry. And I, I think he really was. Uh, it yeah. doesn't make me feel any better. It, yeah, it doesn't like, redeem him at all. Yeah, but. it definitely doesn't redeem him. He's still, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a piece of shit character. I mean, even there at the end when he's looking at Rebecca as Viola is carrying off with Flora and he's like, I gave you, a, you know, like the perfect gift and now sh- you're going to let her drown. You just yeah. le- left her to drown. Um, and Rebecca's looking at him like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> um, so, yeah, he still, even in that moment, was like, are you kidding me? Uh, like, you know, the whole plan that he had envisioned, you know, did not work. And But then, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I hope he really meant, meant it when he said that to, to Miles. Not that it makes up for anything yeah. that he said or did. Definitely doesn't redeem him. Um, For his own personal redemption to himself, I think, yeah, I hope that he meant it. Yeah. For his last seconds there, at least, you know, he's being able to, you know, face his own choices and decisions he's been making and realize that he's made the wrong ones and maybe come to grips with that. But I think, yeah, definitely then that look on Miles' face that, that apology means nothing to him in those seconds. It's like, screw you, dude. <laughs> yeah. But uh, see, else in that moment, we get, you know, we haven't really talked about Henry too much because I was like, well, you know, Henry shows up finally to die within a minute. Exactly. Or, I'm like, okay. so. <laughs> but I guess, you know, he doesn't really die. You know, they say that he's in this limbo place between and uh, Owen is able to like revive him. And. You know, so he's luckily, you know, makes it through that twirl when all these other ghosts disappear. Henry actually comes back to life. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, I think that would have been a lot more than what uh, Flora and, and Miles could take in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. But then we see Viola now part of Danny, even if it's a small part and she's kind of slowly growing. I wasn't sure how this was going to go when when Viola and or not Viola, when Danny and Jamie were leaving. As I'm sitting there going, but we the ghosts can't leave the property. This has been established, so I'm waiting to see what's going to happen with Danny and that. But then they do leave, 
So then I have to question back to things we've talked about before. It's like, well, then maybe Peter and Rebecca's plan actually would have worked if that would have been allowed to to play out. Yeah. I, I wondered about that too. And, and I know that they didn't tie everything up neatly in a bow and, you know, give us every single answer and solve some of these mysteries for us. I kind of wondered that too. Uh, If, if, taking them over completely would have been what freed them. It's, it mm-hmm. seems that's what would have worked, but it's also Viola's able to leave because she, I mean, she's the one that was holding herself there yeah. and mm-hmm. holding herself there is what held everyone else there. Yeah. So I guess at that point with the curse being broken and all the other ghosts are gone from the property, then that barrier is non-existent anymore. Yeah. And I mean, that's what it seems like, even though she's back there at, at at Bly, she's not doing that anymore because there's enough of Danny yeah. in her that doesn't, doesn't hold people there anymore. She still walks the grounds and, you know, walks Bly, but she, she doesn't hold people there anymore um, yeah. and doesn't have a need for that. It seems. So I think it made a difference that, and I mean, I don't know, it, it might have worked. We didn't, we didn't get to see that. So I honestly don't know if it would yeah. have worked or not, but it was supposed to have worked, I guess. Um, but I think it just made a difference that Viola was able to leave because she didn't want to before. And mm-hmm. if, you know, it seemed that that's, and she was voluntarily leaving by, yeah, by that makes entering sense. into, into Danny, I guess. Um, yeah. So yeah, right. mysteries, yeah. still some <laughs> mysteries there and unanswered questions, but I don't, I think we're okay. Not knowing some of that. We yeah. just have to speculate. Whew. Okay. Wipe my snotty nose. Um, well, my number two was Danny and Jamie. And All right. I think for the most part, I am again, probably going to talk more about that or we'll have more, de- you know, a few things to say, but I think we, I said most of what I wanted to say, cause it was mostly about their relationship and the time that they had together and their devotion to each other. Um, so, um, what is your number one? My number one, I said the wedding party. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we get that confirmation that Jamie has been the storyteller narrator this whole time, which I pretty I picked up on pretty early. I felt like that's what it was. But, uh, yeah, you did. Definitely- you, you called it, I think, from like day one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we get that 100% confirmation here, even before, you know, it's very explicitly shown, you know, because when it cuts back to, you know, after kind of the story ends or she's wrapping up her story and we get to, you know, 2007 and you see that golden ring on her finger that she had shown and told about Danny giving her on the roots of the plant. And so we see the ring and she's mentioned Jamie by, or uh, she's mentioned Danny by name in her story at this point, you really be like, okay, there's a connection. You know, Jamie was the only one who would have been able to hear Danny say, you know, it's me, it's you, it's us to Viola. And she mentions, you know, and then she said those words like, okay, well, Jamie's there. So it's Jamie. She's placed herself in the story now. And then we get like the really cool kind of reveals that these characters that we've been following are here at this wedding party. Flora is the bride. And, and Flora sums it up very nicely. Like, not just this 
story, but the show in itself, when she says, you know, you said it was a ghost story. It isn't. No, it's a love story. And then Jamie follows that up with, you know, same thing, really. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I think not just the story, but the show in itself. And I think some of the complaints people might have had about this, you know, season compared to Hill House. <laughs> Listen to Flora. She's <laughs> summed exactly. it up very nicely there. It's it's not a ghost story. It's a love story. And they've told us that from the beginning. Yeah. And then, you know, I put it together myself a little bit before it was revealed when they're having that moment where, where Flora's staying behind to be the last person in the room with Jamie and, you know, talking about certain things. I was like, that's Flora, isn't it? Like, I kind of was like, I, I think I've got that figured out. And then we do get that confirmation. I was like, she's marrying that, that boyfriend that Owen had mentioned. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was cool. You know, she forgot all of her times at Bly and all this stuff. And the accent was a little weird, but then I figure like, well, you know, Henry took them back to America and probably just, let them forget everything about their lives to where suspension of disbelief a little bit. I guess that they would adapt an American accent living there from a young age. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've seen some back and forth conversation about that. Uh, and that's why some people I think were questioning like, well, was that really Flora? You know, um, could that when, when Jamie is kind of looking across the room and you see, um, Flora on the dance floor and then she turns into like younger Flora that we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, is this just the projection that Jamie's putting on them that maybe that's who she's seeing in that moment. She's kind of projecting that it's not really them though. I, I believe that it is, but I think that's it where is. Some of the, yeah. That's where some conversations were going. Not, I didn't really feel that, but um, I, I also read that some people were like, well, if you're questioning because of the accent, you know, they're, you know, they're like, well, we know kids who have moved from England and had English accents in England, but when they moved to America and, you know, went to American schools and were immersed in like American television, that they no Mm -hmm. longer have an English accent. And around the same age, Flora was what, um, nine. Yeah. Cause when I was, when I was in like fourth or fifth grade, I had uh, a really good friend of mine named Alex and, uh, you know, childhood middle school friends and mm-hmm. he had moved, you know, he was really young when they moved from England, but his parents both had a English accent and him and his little brother did not. So, so yeah, yeah. I believe it's believable. You know? Absolutely. I, I, in fact, just thinking about this, um, I think, um, my director at my work, she was raised in England till she was about nine or 10. Her parents are both English and they have English accents and she had one, but then um, they moved around a lot when she was in the States and she no longer has an English accent. She can turn it on, mm-hmm. but as you, you know, cause she, she'll dazzle us sometimes when we're on work meetings or something. And if that kind of gets brought up, she'll, you know, she can bring it back with no effort and it's very good. Um, but she just in her day to day when we're just talking, um, there's like zero hint of her English accent at all. Um, yeah. She just kind of lost it through the years. So I, I don't think it's that much of a stretch to say that someone as young as Flora. And also, I think also maybe it's like you said, kind of a part of the shedding of Bly. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a shedding of, of their skin, um, you know, leaving Bly and their lives in England and, you know, how they just kind of adopt you know, 
where they're at, they kind of adopt those accents. I know, you know, this is kind of a not too related thing, but kind of what it reminds me of also in a way is when, and I think I've mentioned this before, you know, you can drop an accent, but you can also pick them up sometimes when you are immersed in it. And one thing that I always think about in my life is when for three years I um, lived in Texas and my daughter was, gosh, what she was like eight seven or eight when we moved and we were in a very um, heavily Spanish city Mm -hmm. and you know, there, there were not a lot, a lot of Caucasian people. It was predominantly Spanish. We were like the minority there. And so in her school and I mean, everywhere that we went, she was immersed. Uh, All of our neighbors, you know, she had a best friend that lived next door to us and she was bilingual her mother didn't speak any English, but you know she. And, but she had to speak English for school, so she was bilingual, and she would you know teach Julie, you know um, Spanish words. And I'm not kidding; she Julie picked up a Spanish accent. <laughs> she she would talk to us in a Spanish accent. And when she would go home, we'd come home for like you know holidays or something, and you know people would just look. Uh, she's speaking in a Spanish accent. I'm like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. she rolled her R's and she had this perfect, I mean, it was perfect. It was like, she yeah. was almost like bilingual herself. You know, kids are sponges. Yes. They just absorb and take it all in. It's fully believable that Flora all these years later would have ad- adapted an American accent. And Absolutely. Yeah. I think, yeah. So it doesn't really, you know, hold me up that much, but yeah, it was cool than getting, you know, Owen, Miles, Henry, they're all there. And, you know, we, we, we talked about that early on in the season, you know, we were like, so the guy that was given the speech in the first episode, is that Owen? Cause you know, why would they change the actor and stuff? And it is Owen. I think the reason they did the actor change was because they wanted it to be a reveal for people who hadn't picked up on that. I think that's right. the, the point is they don't want to give it away. <laughs> yeah, we speculated on that pretty early because we were talking about that when she walks in kind of late to the rehearsal dinner and he's in the middle of a speech and he kind of looks at her and kind of yeah. gives like an, a knowing kind of nod, you know, yes. like a familiarity between them. Yeah. And I actually did for my notes on here. I went back and rewatched the opening of the first episode mm-hmm. because I was, I was curious. I was like, okay, let me watch this again through the lens of finishing the season. I did see. too. I think yeah. everybody should do that. If you haven't done that, if you watch yeah. the episode again, when you finish it, go back and watch like the first 10, 15 minutes or so um, yeah. of the, of the first episode. Yeah. It's, it was so cool because I went back and watched that and um, you know, you, you, you can tell like Owen, Henry, Miles, they're all there and you can tell it's them. Mm-hmm. At least the older two miles is, you know, <laughs> Miles was Whatever. a little harder to pick out, but yeah. And, but he's there, that same, you know, actor mm-hmm. that plays the older Miles in the finale. But yeah, Owen with that, his cadence and his sense of humor and his speech. I was like, yeah, that is a hundred percent Owen. Of course it is. Like, you know, his very, you know, that speech, you know, you know um, it's, it's shocking. You know, it's, it's terrifying statistic really that 50% of marriages don't end in divorce. You know? <laughs> and, you know, he's that, you know, kind of British degrading humor a little bit, but um, mm-hmm. it's very good. And so I thought it was really interesting that we see then in that first episode that Owen's the one that pushes Jamie to share her story. Yeah. You know, I, she's I like, it's, it's not exactly short. Time. And he yeah. says, you know, we have time enough. And 
I think that's cool. But yeah, when you mentioned when Jamie sits down at that table and Owen gives her that look and she sits right next to Henry. Right. And, and, and the three of them share this very knowing, understanding look between the three of them. Yeah. She shares a look with Henry after she sits down, kind of a lingering mm-hmm. look. And I didn't pick up on it. I, I did with her and Owen, but not so much when she sat down, maybe for a glimpse, but I was still kind of, I think, had my thoughts on Owen or is that, who? who is that? They seem to know each other, but, um, yeah. you know, who is this person? But I saw it the second time around. I went back and looked and like, oh, she sat right next down to Henry and they exchanged a look. Yes. Yeah. And then listening to Owen's speech, I put down this, how important it was where, how hard it hits Jamie. Like you can see it like kind of not like cuts into her, but like it hits her within it comforts her in a way. But the big thing about Owen's speech is he says the work of loving them is worth the pain of losing them. Mm. And after seeing everything that Danny and Jamie had been through in this episode, I was like, Oh man, that sums that up so well. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned something I remember you mentioning in the first episode when it picks up is you're like, well, why does this lady have the door cracked open and the water in the, you know, you picked up on those little things. Yes. And now we know why. And now we know why. (laughs) And again, if you go back and watch that, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it it makes perfect sense. But yeah, we, I know I was shaking my head and kind of scratch like, why is she sleeping in front of the door? Why is the door open? Why is the sink full of water? Why is the bathtub full of water? What is going on? She's a crazy so lady. Yeah. Yeah, what is going on with her? She's she's an odd eccentric lady. Mm-hmm. Um, but then but, when you find out why, as you're sitting there boohooing, you yeah. know, they're at the end of the finale and you, you know why she's doing all of these things that she does every single day. I hate to see her water bill, by the way. But, you know, as she, you know, continues to do that every day, waiting for yeah, for Danny it's to this come little back. ritual. Yeah. And it's it's her way of having Danny be with her as she waits for her, but Danny's there, like in spirit. Well, I say in spirit, but after what we've seen in this show, you can still take that literally. So um mm-hmm. <laughs> probably not literally still, but it's enough for Jamie. But you get that little moment where like you see the door move a little bit and then Danny's hand with the ring on her finger is on. Jamie's shoulder as she's sleeping. And I don't think that was literal. I don't think Danny was actually I- there with her. No, I don't think but, so either. But it's 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 Jamie's kind of interpretation of, you know, I do all of these things and Danny's there with me. And right. I, man. <laughs> well, because I know. Well, and because Danny lives on. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's the kind of differences that, you know, we see in, in the story was that, you know, Viola lived on, but it was because she didn't want to let go. It was because she wanted to stay and her her determination, you know, she was, you know, you know, like when she was supposed to die in the last episode and she refused, she's just Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going, you know, tell your God no. And, you know, so through sheer will and determination, she stayed, but it was like bad, you know, Mm -hmm. it it was in a bad way, but with Danny, and, and that's because Viola couldn't accept her death. She didn't want to move on. Yeah. But when Danny accepts her death, she lives on through Jamie. And then through the exchange of the story with Flora and the rest of the guests, but especially I think with Flora, it really sticks with her. Yeah. Uh, she continues to live on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, good. And, you know, making an impact. So I think... 
yeah, I, I don't think it was literal, but it's it's a way for for Danny to continue to to live on in a positive way. It's 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 like the best version of immortality. Yeah. And then watching it a second time, going through this scene, I love how the acting in this, even like these like older versions of these characters we know, there's like you know we see these actors in two episodes in like little mm-hmm. moments, but like just their like body language, I was like, yeah, Owen and Henry, who have you know remember everything. They are listening and like watching Jamie tell the story in a very different way than the rest of the guests are. Mm-hmm. You can see it just in their body language and their face that like it's very understanding and knowing as they're, you know, as they walk off, Owen puts his hand on her shoulder and just gives her that look again. And Henry lingers for a second and looks at her and then, and then walks off while the rest of the guests are all very just like deeply entranced in the story and intrigued. And, Oh my God, this is incredible. Like Henry and Owen are standing in the back, just, understanding me like yeah yeah i remember that i remember that (laughs) yep oh my gosh (laughs) well that that touches on a lot of my number one as well was was the ending and you know how it wraps up at this this wedding party and jamie's telling of the story and the exchange between her and flora um which was really nice and it was nice you know Jamie comforting her and, you know, because Flora is so worried about, you know, get, she's like, well, I love him so much. And, you know, how do I move on? Like what happens with, if the day comes and he goes before me and how do I, how do I get through that? I can't imagine, you know, the pain of that. And it was really nice. Jamie comforting her, you know, like you, you think about the good and you don't let the thought of that ruin your time together, you know? And I, I thought that was beautiful and definitely summed up Jamie and Danny's um, relationship because they had this like impending doom hanging over their whole relationship. They (laughs) never knew when the day was going to come. They, they had always hoped that maybe it wouldn't, but as time went on, you could see how it was, you know, like you said, Danny was kind of drifting further and further away and she felt like, you know, she was slipping more and more as it got towards the end for th- for them too. But they didn't, al- you know, allow it to ruin the time that they had together. They still lived every day together, you know, like maybe that was the last day that they would have. And they, they took, you know, advantage of the time that they have and didn't take anything for granted. And so I thought that was, you know, really nice what, what she passed on to Flora yeah, as well for her to remember that. Um. Well, and and just to add to that, I thought it was interesting how the series starts with Danny avoiding reflections and being afraid, you know, of what she would see. And then Jamie seeking out reflections. So, you know, that's how we open with Bly, a woman who's afraid to look at her reflection in case there's a ghost waiting there for her. But it closes with a woman desperately searching yeah. a reflection and hope that the dead woman that she loves will be waiting there. And even though Jamie has went through all of this trauma and all of this horror, you can tell she doesn't regret any mm-hmm. of, of that. And I had the quote here as well that, that you mentioned um, Owen and his toast there at the beginning of the season to truly no- love another person is to accept that the work of loving them is worth the pain of losing them. Mm-hmm. And just that just topped it for me. Um, yeah. And I just 
love how it kind of comes full circle a little bit yeah. there. Um, it was beautiful, beautifully wrapped up. I think, yeah, it's like we've mentioned, yeah, there's little things that maybe we're dangling and hanging off here or there, but I think in the grand scheme of the story, those weren't important. And yeah, we got what we needed. They they served the story the way that they needed to, but this was a love story, not a ghost story. And what we really needed to get back to was Danny and Jamie. Right. Well, and it was, you know, we, we've, we've talked before and I think Mike Flanagan also kind of mentioned it too, is that this was a, a Gothic romance and Gothic romances are tragic. And there's always that innocent person that makes that sacrifice and, and has a tragic ending. And that was Danny. Yeah. In this, you know, she was, she was the innocent and, and she was taken. Um, yeah, man, this shit hurts, yeah. <laughs> but, but I love it. <laughs> this one definitely was, um, I wondered at times, I mean, there were certainly some episodes that, that kind of stood out and was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is gut-wrenching and especially like Hannah's episode, yeah. you know, as we kept seeing, you know, everything that she was going through and you just felt so much for Hannah and loved her so much and to see what, what she was going through. Um, but I kept wondering, I was like, man, you know, I don't know if, it, how they're going to have this as impactful as Hill house and boy, did they do it? This, yeah, you know, is, is emotional and gut wrenching as Hill house was, this definitely was for me too, but I can, I, I still don't know if I'm quite clear on why people, why some people didn't enjoy the series as much. Um, I think I the know. main complaint I've heard, and I mean, I guess on the basis of what it is, sure, it's it's valid to a degree, uh, is that people were expecting it to be scary like Hill House was with more jump scares and more like just like in your face horror and disfigured ghost faces and scary things. Yeah. And. I mean, yeah, Blind Manor does not have that to that degree. It's more about the horror is there in the the people and the kind of manipulative, evil places people will go. But then also, like you said, it's that gothic romance where really don't look at it as a horror show. Look at it as this is a story and it ends up being a love story with a lot of tragedy, but a lot of love and a lot of, and if you look at it, not as a, I want to go into it, watch a horror movie and be scared. But as much, but go into it being like this is going to be a story with an arc and a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it's going to wrap up, and it's going to be something that, as a whole, is a story that was told. Yeah, and, I mean, if you look at it that way, then I think it it delivers exactly what it's supposed to. So I, I think the main complaint people had was they just wanted it to be scarier, and maybe they're not. And I don't want to say this is like people are wrong to have these opinions because it's valid. It's fine. You know, if Absolutely. you're expecting one thing and get something different, like I can understand being a little disappointed. But like, we've you all know, been there. If you, you know, a bit of, if people appreciate it as the love story that it is, I think maybe going into it that way or like re, maybe rewatch it and revisit it knowing what it is and you might appreciate it more. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, we've all been there. We've all had a little disappointment in some shows when we, we go in expecting one thing and it turns out to be something different. Sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's not a great thing. It's yeah, And maybe it's not your thing and that's okay. <laughs> we all don't have to love the same thing. But um, 
I, it definitely did it for me. I was, Oh yeah. I was moved. And anytime something moves me uh, as much as a story like this does or hell house and you know, I'm, I'm sold. Yeah. This definitely made me care about everyone. Yeah. It invested me in the characters enough to like, when I'm getting to see Danny and Jamie happy together, I'm crying because I'm so happy for them. But then also when the tragedy strikes, I'm crying because it's horrible to me. Like I'm invested in both the happy and the sad, the good, the bad, the love, the horror. I'm in, it did its job and I love it. Great. (laughs) It's great. Yep. Me too. Um, what did you have any notes to add? I did not. I mean, I had some, but we've covered all of them. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, most of mine too. There was one thing though that I wanted to kind of mention uh, from an earlier episode that, you know, Dominic, when Dominic finds out that he's not Flora's biological dad um, in his monologue to Henry, when, you know, he tells him that he knows and he, you know, after he finds out, he mentions in that monologue that he will be the one to walk her down the aisle one day. But at the end it was Henry after yeah. all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, I don't know if we focused enough on that. It was good to see, you know, how Henry comes back and the kids have family again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, that was heartwarming and clearly he's been with them the entire time and they all have a very close relationship like they did, you know, when they were really little um, before, yeah. you know, he left fly for a while. So <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a happy ending in that way. At least if you look at the, the like Wingrave family, yeah. Or whoever they may be, whatever their name is. But yeah. 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 I mean, Owen even has that little throwaway line in his restaurant where, you know, when Flora's dating and he says, you know, if Henry hadn't been sober all these years, he'd kill himself drinking with the stress of this. So we find out like it's a little throwaway line, but yeah, Henry's like sober now. I mean, I, we do see him drinking at the wedding, but, but, you know, at least at that point, like, but it, it was enough, I guess, to where like, he had sobered himself up and he'd put his life together and he'd focused on being family and a parent and there for these kids. And that's important. Yeah. It's what they needed. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Okay. Uh, well that, that does it for my notes too. I think, um, I've right. exhausted as much <laughs> as I can of myself. I am emotionally spent. <laughs> going to need like a week to recuperate or, or more probably. Um, oh man. So I, I do have a, a quick news item that I wanted to share, but I want to um, kind of talk about hidden ghosts this episode. Um, it was a little different this episode. They're, they're kind of showing hidden ghosts, but um, I don't know how hidden some of them are, but I'm going to go ahead and read them out. There's not very many in this episode. And and some of them, some might say, well, they're not quite hidden, but I'm going with it anyway. Um, at the 12 minute, 10 second mark, we get the plague doctor. Uh, he is seen through like the uh, spindles of the stairs. Um, you can see him um, down in the foyer mm-hmm. of Bly. At the 24 minute and 50 second mark, we get Viola in the door. That's when Danny sees her reflection in the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, 28 minutes and 22 seconds, we get Viola in the water pitcher. Uh, 31 minutes and three seconds, we get Viola in the kitchen sink. And then 32 minutes and 55 seconds, Viola in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. 
So not quite hidden. I think we we all saw her, but this is um, kind of what we have at least for yeah. this episode. Yeah, uh, I think it makes sense because you know we get the the curse lifted off the ground pretty early in the episode, so there are right. no more hidden ghosts. There's no ghosts and, there left, and <laughs> they're not a Bly anymore either. So they're yeah. not a Bly, which is where they were all located. And yeah, also, um, yeah, it's been lifted. So um, yeah, it was cool to hear them talk about in the beginning. You know how it just how the atmosphere changed at Bly, how it felt much lighter than what it had in centuries, and yeah. you know that that was that was kind of nice. I uh, wonder if anybody still lives there. It was hard to tell when Jamie went back. You yeah. know, she kind of glares at the house, but unknown if anyone occupies it today or if they've kept it empty, if it's still in the family and they've just kept it empty. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if yeah, if Henry still owns it and just lets it sit there. Right. That would make sense. Um so I the the news item that I have, it's kind of some fun facts that we don't, you know, didn't quite know before and, and what we may not have picked up on exactly. Um, just some fun little facts about, um, Bly Manor, some fun little insider facts. So this is from insider.com. One of them was the actors couldn't see the grand exterior of the manor. So according to actor Oliver Jackson Cohen, who played Peter Quint, the structure that they saw or that we saw, sorry, throughout Bly Manor is not what the cast and crew got to look at every day. So we get to see this big, beautiful old English manor. He says, what we had to work with was shipping containers that were covered in a giant green screen. Um, so they had, he said, we had no concept of what the outside would look like. Interesting. That was interesting. Um, I, I kind of picked up on that in this last episode when Danny's looking at the manor in the rearview mirrors, her and Jamie driving away. I was like, that's all like CGI. Ah, oh, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the actors who played Owen and Flora were the pranksters on set. Uh, I, I feel like it's I not too that. far of a stretch to believe that <laughs> Owen, um, uh, you know, was was a prankster. Rahul Kohli, I believe is his name. Oh, I hope Kohli, I'm pronouncing yeah. that right. Apparently, Kohli, Mike sorry. working on another movie or project, something that he's already been cast in. So we'll get to see him in some more Flanagan works soon-ish, and I'm excited. That- that would be awesome. Well, one of the pranks they said that um, Raul Coley pulled, um, apparently he would intentionally fart during close-ups oh, and while walking. So they were forced to experience the smell. Oh, wow. Something he was <laughs> quite famous for, they said. That was according to um, uh, Tania Miller and uh, uh, Amelia B. Smith. And Amelia Eve said also that he would do that. Mm-hmm. So that would be for those who aren't on the yeah, casting. That would be Hannah, Flora, Hannah and, and Jamie. You're right. <clears throat> yeah. uh, Mike Flanagan and Kate Siegel's daughter is linked to both Hill House and Bly Manor. Um, in an interview with Kate Siegel um, with Entertainment Tonight, I believe it was, um, it was uh, brought up that the fact that Siegel and her husband, who's Mike Flanagan, named their daughter Theodora Isabel Irene Flanagan. Uh, so Theodora is the name of Kate's character on season one, The Haunting of Hill House, and Isabel is the name of Kate's character's daughter on season two. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll see if there's going to be any other connections when there's a season three. Okay, season three, Kate Siegel will play a character whose daughter's name is Irene. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, when they signed onto the project, most of the actors didn't know how the story ended. Um, I guess when they signed on to the project, they had only, uh, most of the cast had only seen the first couple of scripts. They were given a general outline, um, but most of the time the scripts came weeks and even months later. And Tania Miller didn't know that her character, Hannah, was dead. And Siegel knew very little beyond the episode that she played Viola in. And she's married to the freaking showrunner and director. (laughs) (laughs) And she knew nothing. Um, um, Here's an interesting little fact. Uh, There's a cannabis farm next to the Bly Manor set. Um, (laughs) The the filming location for Bly Manor's exterior, with its stacked containers and green screen, featured a driveway, landscaping, and an odd neighbor. Um, So there was an interview with one of the cinematographers um, that said that there was a large cannabis growing operation near the set. And I guess the bright lights from the farm could be seen on the set, but luckily the steam and mist from the lake provided some cover. It's funny. (laughs) That would be a fun set to work on is all I'm going to say. (laughs) Even before knowing that, no, I was thinking while watching the episode, I was like, man, I want to know like, this would be a cool set to go on. Cause even knowing like the whole exterior of the house wasn't there, but like the, the grounds, like where the lake is and like the little, like the garden area and the statue garden, you know, all those little places. Like I bet all those, like it'd be just a cool set to be on. Yeah, I think it would. There was some fun, um, cast pictures on the, if you follow the Bly Manor Instagram page, there were a couple of fun shots of the cast, um, mm-hmm. you know, taken behind the scenes and things like that. It was, it was cute. Um, Pedri- uh, Victoria Pedretti's interpretation of the final scene might be different from viewers interpretations. So as you mentioned earlier, Pake, um, in the last shot of the series, we see Danny's hand on Jamie's shoulder as she sleeps. Yeah. Uh, Some viewers have seen this as confirmation that Danny has been visiting Jamie every night while she sleeps, but the actress doesn't interpret it that way. Um, She says, I don't think it's her actual hand, she says. Uh, She says, I think it's her presence. I think it's her love. I think it's her devotion. I agree with Victoria (laughs) Pedretti. I also agree with Victoria Pedretti. Um, (laughs) And just as a side note, I'd really love to see her get a break. Right. if she... I mean, holy shit, and not to give away any spoilers, but with what her character went through in Hill House and and then what she went through here in Bly, can we give this poor girl a break? And my God, did she do Outstanding or what? We didn't, I don't know if oh, we gave man. her enough um, accolades um, for her acting. Yeah, she was incredible. just... Yeah, just incredible. Um, so let's cast her in season three and then not have her die. My Let's be great. Not have such a tragic <laughs> ending for Victoria Pedretti, please. We love her. <laughs> give her some great, give her a great character. Give her some. <laughs> to work with. Can we please not kill her off or have a tragic ending, please? And right. thank you. <laughs> um, and then the last point we already talked about, but I want to make sure in case in in my grief as I'm grieving. Uh, the end of this episode and I'm, I'm reeling um, emotionally from everything that happened. I'd want to make sure that we did include that um, Hannah's Hannah Gross's last words, which were a nod to the iconic line from Hill house. And as yeah. you already mentioned um, her line does begin when he checks the well, please tell Owen, I'm sorry, tell him I love him and the rest. Well, it's just, and then we don't get to hear the rest. 
Um, and then, as I mentioned, uh, responding to a fan on Twitter, Mike Flanagan did confirm that the next word was confetti, yeah. which was a reference to Nell Crane. And that's all I'll say mm-hmm. in one of her lines. I don't want to say it because I'm, I don't know if it gives it away or not, but <laughs> oh my God, it take that takes me back too. So anyway, I thought those were some fun little facts about, um, about Bly. Yeah, we didn't know otherwise. Kind of some light things to look at to help ease up on some of this heaviness that I'm feeling. So that's all that I have for um, the news and Hidden Ghosts. Hope everyone enjoyed the Hidden Ghosts coverage. I know that was really fun um, to to have all those pointed out, um, as creepy as what they were most times. Um, So we're going to move into our favorite part of the podcast, and that is our listener feedback. And I just want to say right now that you guys came through. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> we had outstanding response to the finale. Everyone had a lot of thoughts to share. I'm going to just warn everyone, we got a lot of feedback, and some of it's kind of long. So, um, But I want to give everyone um, their due time for hanging in with us and um, – so I'm, we're going to go through these, um, but I can't. I can't read, wait to read them. So I'm just going to go I'm ahead so and excited. jump in. I know <laughs> I, we get so much good insight. I can't wait to see what our listeners have to say. Um, they're so insightful. Um, first one that we have is from Don Elizabeth. She says, "OMG, what a great show this has been." Um, I haven't posted my comments for the previous episode yet and broke my rule about waiting, but had to see the ending. It isn't giving anything away at this point to say that I'm a sniveling mess. She posted again after and said, I really enjoyed this episode. I think it was a great ending to a great show. I feel so sad for Danny and Jamie, especially while watching and being pretty darn sure that things were not going to work out for them in the long run. I'm glad that they had the time together that they did. I'm very proud of Danny for taking the responsibility to end the long cycle of deaths and hauntings by sacrificing herself, although it was heart-wrenching to watch Jamie trying to get to Bly in time to stop her. And Jamie leaving the door open in hopes of Danny returning brings me to tears. I'm relieved that Miles survived, as I wasn't so sure about that. And Owen, dear Owen, I really enjoyed his character and was glad he made it to being a chef, but not having Hannah at his side was so sad. I love seeing her photo in his restaurant. I adored Hannah. Rima and Peg, thank you so much for your coverage of this terrific show. Peg, you are a welcome addition, and I hope you and Rima team up again in the future. I have one oh, question yes. for now, and that is, the bride in, her, in the story wasn't our Flora, right? It was just a coincidence that that was her middle name. If it was Flora, she would recognize Jamie's story as her own, or did the forgetting really take everything away? I hate to seem really dumb, but I just wasn't sure. Thanks again, and look forward to joining you on another journey soon. Um, I think we kind of talked about that a little bit. I, I I feel it was, um, I choose to think it was her, but that, like you said, that like, she really did just forget everything. A lot of the trauma had kind of been covered up. And then like Rima said, maybe part of the, the curse being lifted is a lot of the stuff that they went with that involved the ghosts as well. Didn't stay with them. Right. And I wonder if she could have changed the names. She's telling the story maybe. So maybe the names, even though, you know, Flora might remember names of some people like Hannah or, um, but you know, Jamie could have been changing the names and I don't know. I choose to believe that it's them honestly, because, and I mean, I guess if you want to think about it in the credits, it says old Flora and young Flora. Yeah. So I I feel like that's (laughs) kind of 
tells you, I guess, if you if you happen to see that. And if not, maybe that's enough to convince you. So <laughs> that's enough for me. But yeah, thank you, Don, so much. Oh, thanks. All right. Lindsay Schlick says, I knew it. I knew the storyteller was Jamie this entire series, but everyone I spoke to felt I was wrong. They were just too similar in speech and look. Once the horror of the episode was over, when Danny melded with the Lady of the Lake, I thought this episode was just beautiful. I loved watching the peace come over Bly. Peter apologizing to Miles, Uncle Henry coming back to the kids, the ghosts of Bly being released to move on. So well done. Danny and Jamie's love story was so sweet, but this part of the episode was so hard to watch. I kept wanting to be happy for them, but you could feel the sorrow over the story and just waiting for the bottom to fall out and tragedy to hit. I found myself fighting tears the entire time and not knowing why, except knowing it would end in tragedy. And even though it did end sadly for Jamie and Danny, I think there was a beautiful peace in the face that Danny was able to die to save everyone she loved. And I feel okay rather than devastating. Or it felt okay rather than devastating. The last few moments showing everyone as their younger selves was Sheryl Crow's best song ever, ending with Danny's hand on Jamie's shoulder. Man, can Mike Flanagan pull at heartstrings or what? What a great season. While overall, Hill House might have still been my favorite, I think Bly ended much better. It sticks out as one of the best finales I can remember. I'm so happy I stuck it out and have loved the pod this season. I was so sad when Sean had to leave the show, but Pake has been an awesome addition. So where to next? Thank you, Lindsay. (laughs) That was nice. Yeah. Thanks, Lindsay. It's so great you stuck it out with us. Can we answer where to next? I guess we probably will later, huh? (laughs) We are definitely going to get into that. We're going to get into the what's next for sure. So don't leave us yet, guys. Stick around so you can find out. Um. Next one we have is from our good friend Doug Fick. He says, thank you and glad to be back. Who would have thought that a supernatural haunting horror tale is at its core an epic love story? Well done start to finish in nine episodes. Less than the usual Netflix 10, but less can be more. First off, where are they finding these ap- uh, adorable and seasoned child actors? Is there a factory somewhere? <laughs> although not his fault i wanted to slap miles a time or two get in line and it's obvious comparison to hill house i can honestly say i twitched only once when the doll ghost sang and rose behind flora in contrast to the wtf oops i crapped my pants scares of hill house nonetheless i enjoyed it as a whole the reveal that uh, miss gross was dead the whole time gave a six cent since five i initially thought they were going to play a dementia angle due to owen's mother's affliction of the same but the reveal about the crack she always saw was clever indeed therefore there are two tragic tragic love stories in the mix both equally as sad that owen and mrs gross will never go to paris you may argue that danny wasn't haunted by her ex-fiance after his death but in fact it was psychological in nature her memory was emblazoned by the headlights in his glasses could you argue that Danny seeing Viola and reflections after years could be psychological as well? Sure, but when she has her hands on Jamie's throat, she's haunted. And the final reveal that the storyteller is indeed Jamie, and it is the eve of Flora's wedding, is a great link to the message of the story, especially their conversation after. I think the story as a whole is all about memories, which makes us all ghosts in a sense, good ones and bad ones. Keeping memories alive honors our ghosts to live on after they've gone. With Jamie leaving the door open for Danny's return, the final scene sweet and heartbreaking in one breath. Although not as scary as Hale House, it was effective in its goals. Great casting and acting as usual. However, the Scottish accent of Peter could use work. Looking forward to the cast as always. Hope everyone is having a blessed holiday, holiday season as best they can. And remember, we are all in this together. It's you. It's me. It's us. 
Aw. Aw. That was nice, <laughs> great, Doug. I think there were some good points there. Um, you know, we didn't really mention a whole lot. You know, there was the talk of Owen's mom and her dementia and, you know, when he was talking about her and how she was drifting away. And then Hannah would speak a lot about how she was drifting away and forgetting things. And then we have the kids who were forgetting things, you know, as they grew up and forgot about the trauma. I think there were still some kind of parallels to, to that a little bit yeah, as well. So yeah, that's great. Thanks, Doug. Cool. All right. We have a few emails as well. So I'll go ahead and go into the first one. This one comes from Patrick. He says, hi, Rima and Paik. First off, thanks again for a great season of discussion. I'll be honest, I didn't entirely listen in time with the episodes because I'll be damned if you guys weren't a bit too spot on with your predictions. <laughs> I've discovered that on first watch, I really don't think too deeply about where things are going. Either that or I'm struck dumb by some of the emotional hits this season has consi- consistently delivered. The last two episodes were amongst the most satisfying episodes of TV I've watched in a long time. To me, everything came together in a way that I, that really made sense, respected the tone of the whole season, and managed to surprise me while feeling dreadfully, and I mean damn dreadfully, inevitable. Overall, the thing that knocked me for a loop this time around was the passage of time and how mundane and repetitive being a ghost at Bly appeared to be. Sleep, wake, walk. And the Lady of the Lake was the most action-packed ghost of the lot. The rest seemed shocked, quiet, observant, and most of all scared. Something very jarring about a frightened ghost. But we, the viewer, don't know that until very late, so their presence maintains a steady menace. It really broke me to think that they were just as frightened seeing events unfold in front of them. By far the most brutal example is the mostly untold story of the boy ghost. I mean, when do you think he would have realized what happened to him? And even more heartbreaking, the sense of connection he probably felt to the kids, making it his task to let them know when danger approached, because presumably he thought what happened to him could happen to them. I really couldn't help wanting to add layers of story to that kid. And speaking of kids, what a mercy that Flora and Miles should grow up to not remember the events the events at Bly. The trauma it inflicted on the adults was more than enough. To experience it to the extent as a kid, I don't know that you would recover from something like that. Whether supernatural or not, I'm not entirely sure. Danny certainly wasn't able to. Even with Jamie, solid, solid Jamie by her side. I have thought about their final moments together almost every day since watching them a couple weeks ago. I could go on, but I think I'll leave it all. Thanks again, and I'll be listening. Oh, thank you that so was great. Or leave it at thanks. That's what he said. <laughs> I, I start blurring words and I'm reading a bunch, but it's okay. <laughs> oh, well, there, there's a lot to go over. Yeah. Uh, those are some really great, great thoughts, Patrick. And I agree uh, a lot with what you said. Yeah. Um, I do like, love what you said about like, yeah, the boy ghost is mm-hmm. doing extra layers to him of, yeah, just the fear and kind of protective place he put himself in for Flora and Miles, which we kind of mentioned that, but I don't think we ever really talked about it to that specific of a degree. And I really like that. Yeah. I like that. It's, I'm glad he drew some attention to that. We didn't talk about that nearly enough. (laughs) Okay. Next email that we have is from Sarah. Uh, She says, Hey, Rima and Paik. First off, I want to say that I actually started out watching um, the episodes weekly with you guys, but I'm sorry to report that I eventually caved and binged the rest of this show. It was episode five that did it for me. I shall try to have more restraint next time. Um, That's okay, Sarah. This, it's a hard one to not keep watching. (laughs) We understand. So, um, no apologies necessary. Um, we're just glad that you enjoyed it and that you're with us. Um, 
She goes on to say, that being said, I was worried about writing in for the episodes following that, having seen the rest of the show. I didn't want to accidentally slip in some spoilers, but I figured I'd write in for the finale since now y'all are finally caught up, sprinkling in some stray thoughts from the other episodes as well. Um, first off, damn Rebecca and Peter's master plan was so despicable, taking these kids' lives and souls just like that. So glad Rebecca ended up having a heart in the end. Her whole death reveal was so heartbreaking. You can definitely see that she felt so betrayed and hurt by what he did. And yeah, maybe they gave us moments that were supposed to make us feel bad for him, like the memory with his mom that he kept popping back to. So it somewhat explains his level of desperation to escape this loop. But still, like I said, despicable. I like seeing more of Henry's backstory, revealing why he's been so distant and the fact that he's Flora's dad. I wonder if the kids ever find out about that. I also like when this show, Hill House 2, shows us moments when a haunting can be manifested by feelings of guilt and self-hatred. I'm glad he turned things around and went, went to check on the kids. He could tell something was wrong, and dang, was he right. Perfect timing. Viola's backstory episode. I somewhat agreed with Rima last week that the ep felt like it kind of dragged on and they over-explained the story, but in general, I did appreciate it how they tied everything together, explaining the origin of the haunting, that all the ghosts are trapped within Viola's loop. I loved that we specifically see how the plague doctor, dollface boy, and the others came in to be the situation. It gave them more, in, more depth than just being hidden ghosts in the background in comparison with Hill House, mild spoiler, where mostly the hidden ghosts seemed to be there just for the Easter egg aspect and weren't necessarily connected to the story. But at least the blind manor ghosts were set free when Danny broke the curse and all of their souls were able to move on. And yay, Miles is free as well. Not gonna lie, but Peter telling him he's sorry was a nice touch. It was a much needed little moment of redemption for him, whether towards us, the audience, or towards Miles. Hannah's arc was so heartbreaking Quite a roller coaster, accepting she's dead, admitting she loved Owen, then realizing the others are in danger and having to leave the comfort of her own memories to try and save them one last time. I cried for Owen when he found her in the well. I wonder if he ever finds out actually how long she has been dead. There's a really cute moment that I didn't personally catch but read about online later when Owen is trying to save Henry and Hannah tells Ghost Henry, tell him that I love him and the rest is just then gets interrupted. Someone pointed out that this could be a nod to the Hill House line, the rest is just confetti. I'm definitely a big fan of that theory, and I really hope that's actually what they were going for. Hey, hint, hint, Sarah, they were. Good news. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> she goes on. The big showdown in the finale was pretty crazy and intense, but it weirdly felt like it got resolved too quickly. Everything happened at once, then it was over during the first 15 minutes of the episode, so it made the rest of the episode feel less like the finale to me and more of a super long epilogue, with not much conflict except for the looming threat of Viola taking Danny she was feeling from time to time. I did love Danny's description of the beast in the jungle and indicating that even after all this time, Viola's spirit is still powerful and all-consuming, and although her curse was lifted from Bly Manor, it now lives within Danny, where it will make her eventually fade away. Something that irked me a little, though, I felt like the use of the phrase, it's you, it's me, it's us, felt too cheesy, and it took me out of the darkness and seriousness of the situation. The idea that someone is giving their body and soul over to someone else permanently you would think it requires something a bit more ritualistic, but instead those words, even with all the significance behind them, seems too simple. Not sure if that makes sense. Maybe it's just me. The last thing I wanted to touch on, what the hell was that ending? I think we officially confirmed the narrator's Jamie, but were, were those actually Flora, Miles, Owen, and Henry at the wedding? 
I guess Flora growing up in the States had developed an American accent, but why would she change her name? And we're supposed to believe that they just sat there the whole story and nothing rang a bell? Seemed fishy to me. However, it kind of makes sense that Jamie would be telling them the story because during the scene in the restaurant when Owen mentioned that the kids seemed to have forgotten everything that happened, Danny seemed upset that they were going to forget her. So this might be Jamie's way of trying to keep Danny's memory alive somehow, even though she didn't refer to everyone by name, um, the housekeeper, the au pair, the gardener. I don't know. Either way, it doesn't completely make sense. I know Mike Flanagan likes his ambiguous endings and leaving it to the audience interpretation. So I'm very curious to see what you guys and the other listeners thought about that. There was a moment that I didn't notice until the second watch that I wanted to point out. Might be nothing, but in the scene when Danny and Jamie are saying goodbye to Henry and the kids at the manor, Jamie hugs Miles and shakes his hands with Henry, but then goes to take the bags um, and her and Flora exchange a little wave. No hug. Didn't think much of it until the end when grown-up Flora stayed behind to talk to Jamie. She randomly says, I feel like I should hug you, and they hug. Felt like a nice tie into the fact that the last time they had seen each other all those years ago, they departed without a hug. But again, might be nothing. One can never know with this show. I know I was a bit critical throughout parts of this email, but as a whole, I really enjoyed the season. Thank you guys for the awesome podcast and some great commentary. Can't wait to see what what show you take on next. Curious to know if you guys have seen the Netflix show Dark. Um, It's a German sci-fi time travel show that seems totally up your alley, so I've always wondered if it's on your roster or somewhere. But alas, I understand that not every show is going to make the cut. Either way, I'm looking forward to tuning in for future episodes. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, Sarah. Um, yes, happy holidays. I've heard of Dark. Um, it has been mentioned multiple yes. times. I that- watched the first season. I have not seen two or three. So, um, And I'd have to rewatch the first one if I was mm-hmm. going to jump back in it because it is deep. Right. It's one of those shows that you need like uh, the poster board and up on the wall with the red <laughs> right. string connecting everything like, oh, God. Oh, gosh. Okay. I've heard great things. We, we've had it suggested to us many times, and I think we had at one time considered it and just weren't able to get into it. Um, the timing didn't quite work out. So I don't know. You know what? You never know. I've learned to never say never when it comes to this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, you had some really good thoughts there, Sarah. And, you know, I, I know I was kind of critical of you know the last episode, episode eight, where we got the backstory. And I, I, I still stick to my point about I felt it dragged on just a little bit but seeing this episode kind of seeing how it all kind of ties together and knowing that story of Viola um, kind of gave me a little bit more of an appreciation I think for it I still think there were you know some some things that um, again probably just a little bit too long for me but I think I appreciated it just a little bit more I, I think that it really makes more sense seeing the finale Um that gave me a better appreciation for it. So that was some really great thoughts. Thanks for sticking with us and, and giving us yeah. all that great feedback here for the finale. Love hearing it. Mm-hmm. Like this next one comes from Lily it says, hello, strange indeed. I've never written in before, but I wanted to mention something that you might not cover in your final episode of your blind manner podcast. I wanted to share with you that what this final episode and what the series in general meant to me as a young gay woman In a lot of ways, I really could relate to Danny's backstory, minus Bright Eyes, a.k.a. Eddie. I struggled with my sexuality and assumed that the affection I felt for my close male friends must be love. Watching Danny discover this side of herself with Jamie was really beautiful, and I want to share why this more than any other gay love story really struck deep. For starters, the show creators showed me something I haven't seen before, a gay love story that was not about homophobia or fear of expressing your true self. 
We see a shred of this in her conversation with Eddie earlier in the season, but it didn't stick with her. What stuck with her was the tragedy that ensued after. She never had any doubt in her mind that she was gay. Furthermore, when Jamie and Danny's relationship finally bloomed into this beautiful thing that it is, the other residents of Bly Manor did not bat an eye. They were all happy to see Danny and Jamie happy with no questions asked. I have to say that this tragedy in the end, this love story, will haunt me for so long. It meant the world and more to me that we saw 10 years of a beautiful marriage between Jamie and Danny during this episode. The story of Bly resolved in the first 20 minutes, and I assumed something super spooky would happen for the remaining 38 minutes. Instead, we got to see Danny and Jamie's happy ending. It's a common trope in LGBT movies, shows, books, etc. that one person dies and it ends in tragedy. Though this was no exception to that trope, the wholesome, healthy, and three-dimensional relationship that Jamie and Danny shared was really a big step in the right direction for accurate, accurate representation of lesbian relationships. Seeing Jamie at the end, looking into her tubs full of water, and going to sleep waiting for Danny will stay with me for a long time. And her clutter... What is that? <laughs> I think it's it's clutter. Yeah. Clutter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. I was like, I got cut off. I was like, oh no, a word I don't know. Uh-oh. But yeah, and her clutter ring hand at the end on Jamie's shoulder... Whether it was a dream, an indication that Danny never left her, or plain symbolism, I don't care. Because I saw a relationship that was actually relatable to me, and that means more to me than I can even tell you. Thank you for giving us some narration with this beautiful and haunting tale. I've so enjoyed listening. Oh, Wow. Thank Lily, you, I Lily. love that. I love that email a lot. <laughs> I do, too. Thank you so much for sharing. Mm-hmm. That means a lot. I I, I think, like you, that's it's going to stick with a lot of us. Um that story, but yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, they they it was a beautiful story, and I think they told it in a in a beautiful way. Definitely. So I agree with you, Lily. Thank you so much, and thanks for writing in your first time writing in. Yeah, I love that. Was, that. I, I hope you stick around and watch other shows that are covered on this podcast and stuff, and keep writing in when you when you feel the need to. Because yeah, it was really great to read. Yeah, really great read, and I, I feel like we've had a couple of um, emails and things like that from uh, you know people who've listened either a long time or even a short time and um, are writing in for that first time. I love it. Um, yeah. So thank you, Lily, for stepping behind the scenes there and, and writing into us. I, I love that email and appreciate you. Thank you so much. Lots of great Facebook feedback. Lots of great emails. Uh, it. I mentioned last week it brought me so much joy. I, I open up my inbox and I see all of these these emails and it just it gives me it puts a smile on my face. It really does. It yeah. makes my day, um, and it's it's wonderful and beautiful. And thank you guys. And not only did we get a lot of Facebook feedback and a lot of emails, but wow, we got a lot of voice messages this week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> So it'll be a long one and that's okay. It's a finale. It's supposed to be. We're going out with a bang. Enjoy it and drink it all in. It's over after this. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is our last one to Bly and we're doing it. And I, you know, I tell you guys, if you write, write to us, if you send us a voicemail, we're going to play it. We're going to listen to it. And, um, you know, because we appreciate you and yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to get to those voicemails. Um, okay. So the first one that we have is from our good friend, Daphne. Get all my stuff ready. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm gonna have to dig through here. Here we go. Should have been on it a little earlier. No, well, I'm not either, so it's totally fine. All right. Whew. So all right. Are Daphne you ready? First, let me yep, find Daphne. that one. There it is. Yeah, scroll through your inbox. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, I'm ready to go. All right, so play that in three, two, one. Hi, Rima and Peg. This is Daphne sending in my final feedback for The Haunting of Bly Manor. I can now make my confession. When the season started, I was really worried that the show was going to be a carbon copy of the film The Innocence from 1961. In fact, I wasn't sure that I even wanted to watch The Haunting of Bly Manor. Once I learned that they were going to use the turn of the screw as the main story point for the series. Because I hated both. However, I gave it a chance because I really enjoyed The Haunting of Hill House and I was hopeful that Mike Flanagan would take from the source material and then steer things in a different direction or at least an altered course. And he did just that. I think The Haunting of Bly Manor ended the only way it ever could, with that last episode bringing us the conclusion to the main story and then giving us this little glimpse into Danny and Jamie's life together. It was lovely to see that they found happiness, although it seemed so shrouded in Viola's cloud. Though sad, I thought it was satisfying that Danny brought an end to the Lady in the Lake's reign of terror as well as giving peace to all the ghosts of Bly Manor. It's just sad that she paid the ultimate price. I really loved the different glimpses at the end, when it was confirmed to us that Jamie was telling the story. The bride was Flora. And I loved that during the dancing, they showed us how each person was a grown-up or older version of each of the story's characters. Overall, I'm pretty pleased with the way the series ended, and thank you both for leading us on this journey. I'm really looking forward to learning what you guys are going to cover next. Thanks. It's awesome. Uh-huh. Thank you, Daphne. I, I love hearing how she got turned around. Yeah. That she kind of went in <laughs> not thinking she would maybe enjoy it, and... Uh, and then ended up really liking it. Yeah, because I don't, I don't know much about the turn of the screw and the source material, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen the innocence. And I haven't either. Yeah, I I did not watch the turning, the movie that came out. <laughs> it is a 2020 film. It came out in January, but that feels like five years ago now. So, but, um, <laughs> but I, I was one of those that was on my list, and I didn't watch it, and then I decided not to watch it until after this was over. So I will watch it soon, but. Now I'm kind of like, well, I hope that story doesn't suck if it's different than, you know, this went in a different direction. But yeah, so I don't know much about the source material. So mm-hmm. it's good to know that this did take, at least for Daphne, like a better turn. Yeah, I love love hearing that. Awesome. Thank you, Daphne. Um, the next voice message that we have is from our good friend, Laura. Hello, Rima and Pake. It's Laura, and we're here at the end of the road. I have some mixed feelings about it, and I will get into that. But first off, Bly Manor, I believe, was promoted as a gothic horror romance. And at the end of the episode, Flora corrects Jamie in calling her tale a love story, not a ghost story. However, it wasn't the ill-fated and toxic romance of Peter and Rebecca, as we might have first thought, but the unrequited love story of Hannah and Owen, the redemptive love story of Uncle Henry and his newly adopted family, and the non-traditional and deeply moving love story of Jamie and Danny. 
But before I comment on how I feel about the finale, I just wanted to pop in a few thoughts about the romance of certain old clothes, since I was a little late in getting to that episode. I am a fan of period pieces, so I was all in on this black and white bottle episode. And I know, Rima, you mentioned how you couldn't feel as much for these characters and that made totally sen- total sense for a one-off episode. In my opinion, I felt like it was a fireside ghost story, just a retelling of this legend of the Lady of the Lake. So I was okay in not relating as much to the characters, but was fully absorbed by the story as it unwound itself. Plus, I felt it was a fully encased story in just one episode, which is a feeling that I didn't necessarily have for the season as a whole. But to see these two sisters who clearly loved each other and were each other's closest allies to be torn apart by sickness, isolation, and jealousy was intriguing. I loved the storyteller's monologue as she described Perdita imagining the word mercy as she takes Viola's life, when in the end the true word was enough. It's a supernatural tale, but one that's so sadly human. The thought of this caretaker who was entirely devoted and self-sacrificing to a patient who becomes bitter and turns cruel so much that the caretaker finally broke, and it seems to be such a real-life tragedy. Also, you guys talked about the monotony of her life afterwards, and to me, it was I was reminded of the Greek tale of Sisyphus rolling a rock up a hill just to have it roll down, and thus he has to roll it up again. Viola's stubbornness to leave this world created a similar sort of hell on earth for her. Um, as for the finale, I had some mixed feelings, as I said. The episode was very moving, and I found myself weeping through many of the scenes, especially through the development of Danny and Jamie's love love story, which was so authentic and beautiful, but I just felt a little unfulfilled with the ending. One of my little quibbles was that the climax came in the first 15 minutes of the show, and then the rest of the show felt like a Lord of the Rings-style episode epilogue, and as beautiful as it was, it was sort of deflating at the end for me. Also, there were things that just made me feel like um, stories were left hanging. Like, as you pointed out, Rima, we didn't get enough of Rebecca's story. I felt the story of Edmund and Danny's final confrontation was never addressed. I guess we're to assume that Dominic and Charlotte did just die in some terrible accident and there wasn't anything more to it, but that story still seemed a little unresolved. So, yes, as much as I loved seeing Jamie and Danny's love story and as much as I loved Owen's homage to Hannah and Danny's heartbreaking end, sacrificing herself to finally put an end to Violet's curse, um, the story felt just a little flat at the end. Still, though, it was better than 95% of the TV out there, and I truly enjoyed the ride. Since it didn't leave me as emotionally broken as Hill House, I will probably watch it again pretty soon. And maybe this time I'll catch some of those hidden ghosts. Thanks again for the podcast, you guys. You make it so much more fun uh, to listen to as we watch the show. And I can't wait to see what's next. Bye. Yay. <laughs> that was great. Thank you, Laura. That I appreciate what you had to say about um, a certain romance of old clothes. Um it gives me an, uh, maybe a little more insight to it. Maybe I'll have to go back and watch it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like what she said. Yeah, I could see this one being, even though, yeah, I <laughs> with you, Laura, I cried a lot in this episode. I feel mm-hmm. like this season will be easier to go back and rewatch. A lot easier than Hill House, because I still haven't gone back and rewatched Hill House. So No. Yeah. 
I don't know that I'm ready to hurt like that again, uh, especially <laughs> be- <laughs> especially after the fresh hurt off of Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably going to be a little while for me. But thank you, Laura. Great insight is always lovely to hear from you. Um, as always, I always appreciate hearing what you have to say. Um, so we do have another voice message from A.E. Hello, Rima and Peka. First, a quick answer to one of your questions about episode eight. Uh, tuberculosis would only gravely sicken about one in 20 people. So it makes sense both to be afraid of getting close to Viola and for her husband and sister not to fall ill themselves. Now then, thank you for your deep insight and for creating a community where we can appreciate some of our favorite series, such as The Haunting of Hill House and now Bly Manor. Uh, I loved Hill House so much and thought episodes of it were so masterful that I, I went into Bly Manor expecting to like it less. It would have been eerie if it were just as excellent. Indeed, my initial impression of Bly Manor was that it was half as good. But I've come to see it might be twice as important uh, for how it depicts people coping with loss love and for its representation of queer gothic romance. One element both series share, unfortunately, and what I most want to talk about is narrative problems in the final episode. Uh, I believe Hill House betrayed uh, previously established world building and tried to change genres. Uh, This frustrated me enough to advise friends to skip the last episode. Uh, I would never say the same thing about Bly, but a few plot points uh, do still haunt me. Uh, First, when Jamie and Owen arrive spontaneously, then they drive up saying they came because they had a bad dream. That's just lazy writing. Uh, Henry could have brought them or Danny could have called Jamie. The phone lines didn't need to have been dead. Uh, Second, the Lady of the Lake's possession clashes with established world building. When Miles says the magic words and invites Peter in for a full possession, Peter takes complete control. But the opposite happens with the Lady of the Lake. Now you could say that much of the Lady's personality has eroded away, leaving determination and anger. But I've liked to have seen those emotions bubble up more prominently within Danny and for her to cope with them with therapy. Uh, That feels like a lost opportunity, as is we do get some interesting parallels between carrying the Lady of the Lake insider with what some people have to deal with coping with life-threatening illnesses. Uh, But I believe those depictions could have been improved. Lastly, I find it very weird that Jamie leaves her door open at night. Uh, One last note. Uh, While it is important for you to cover only a single episode a week for podcasting, suggesting others do so seems to me, in a word, cruel. (laughs) It's much more reasonable to watch the whole thing through and then go back and savor it with you an episode at a time. Uh, Thanks again. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It can be. Uh, we do appreciate when people do go through just, I know as me, when I was just a listener of this podcast before getting to, to co-host it, I preferred personally to go week by week just so I didn't get ahead of things because then it kind of spoils, at least for me, my, my, you know, thoughts on it was it kind of then spoiled the fun of, of going along. It was like watching the show with my friends who then we get to talk about it because if I already knew the whole season, then it kind of it, it makes the you know each episode of the podcast seem a little different because they're go you know bringing up theories and thoughts and I'm like well you know you're wrong but it's like but they don't know that yet so <laughs> you know so I like, so for me I find more 
you know, fun and going along with a podcast. But for some people, I totally understand how they don't want to, and you don't have to. So, absolutely, yeah, yeah I I agree. Um, I'm totally fine. I with you know, I I I do get a, a kick out of knowing people go week by week with us that they don't watch the next one. And I, but if people, you know, I'm fine. I honestly am. I'm just happy to have people with us. However, you are here with us. If you've binged it and you're coming back for, and I think we've had other people write in and say that, that they have already watched it, but you know what? I'm going back and I'm watching week by week with you guys and along for the ride. That's fine too. Um, I don't, I just love having you guys here. So mm-hmm. however you guys want to watch, however it works for you, makes me happy. If you are happy and if you're enjoying the podcast and you're um, enjoying um, us as a podcast, then that makes me happy. So yeah. I, I feel you guys watch however it makes you happy. Um, mm-hmm. But thank you. That was some really great insight. That was yeah, interesting that was... to think about. You know, that was some a good point um, when he points out, you know, it would have been interesting to see maybe some of Viola's um, characteristics or behaviors kind of coming out at times and yeah. Danny and her working through that in like therapy or something. That was an interesting thing. But again, I also think that part of maybe why they didn't was because Viola forgot who she was. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that one thing that didn't leave her was her her will and determination, because clearly that was strong enough to keep everyone um, gravitated at Bly and unable to leave. But other than that, she forgot who she was. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's why they didn't go that route. But I thought that was very interesting. So yeah. I really like that point. Yeah, um, I really, thank really you. liked your, your voicemail. Some really good stuff to think about on that. Yeah, thank you. That was very insightful um, and certainly gave gave me something to kind of chew on a little bit there. Uh, the next voice message that we have. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, let me add really quickly. Um, he also added um, uh, an, a little email part to his voice message. He says, perhaps I should have mentioned that like many, I'm a longtime listener, first time commenter. I will say listening to your podcast for episode eight inspired me to rewatch the first 15 minutes of episode nine. I'm delighted how it defied your expectations and your podcast has deepened my appreciation for the entire series. That was nice. Again, longtime listener and first time commenter. I love it. I love that you guys are, are, are writing in um, and then we're hearing from you and thank you for, um, expressing your appreciation for us. Like I said, I'm just happy to have you guys here. I don't care how you're watching the show. Yeah. Um, but we're not done with the voice messages yet, guys. Mm-hmm. You got to hang in with us. Um, we also <laughs> have um, a voice message from our good friend, Greg, who just barely got this in at the nick of time. <laughs> hey, hey, Karima. This is Greg. I'm just trained this show is, oh, it's just emotionally draining. Uh, I, it's awesome. I, I love it, but like, Danny's fucked. I mean, self-sacrifice and redemption, and then Carla Gugino in that last. A bit of narration towards the end just fucking killed it. And it just, uh, I'm done. That was, that was, that was awesome. Like, it was really, really good. 
I really did think that uh, more people were just going to die. I mean, it was going to be dead, everybody dead. I figured uh, you guys were right. And, I mean, and you were right. But Jamie was the, the narrator. And uh, I really, like, I think what started to hit me was, like, all the uh, the replacements of all the people in the wedding party and whatnot, you know, having shown their uh, their avatars or whatever they were. But uh, yeah, it was it was great, and I uh, look forward to hearing you guys break it down some more. Ugh, I need to go kill some people in Among Us and feel better about myself. All right, <laughs> later. <laughs> Greg, I think your yeah. feelings are shared. Uh, definitely, I think yeah. just speaking for me and Paik, we're definitely there with you, and I love that he he we were just confession time we were playing among us all the group of us and greg yeah. dropped for a bit to say, i gotta go leave you guys feedback and <laughs> yeah i was gonna say a little inside baseball yeah we were playing among us with greg and a group of people and it was like you haven't left us any feedback yet and he was like okay i'm gonna drop out this game real quick and record yeah. it for you just in casual conversation we're like well we're gonna hang for a little bit we gotta go record here in a while but we're gonna play some games in a oh no and by the way i haven't heard from you yet greg and he's like oh yeah gotta go do- <laughs> <laughs> So thank you, Greg, for dropping for a little bit from the game and leaving us um, some feedback for the finale. Um, We share those emotions for sure. All right. Um, And this next one was the same situation. We had to have him drop from game to leave us one too. Yeah, it's hilarious um, how that happens. But yeah, we have a voice message from another good friend of ours, um, Mark. Hi, Paik, and hi, Rima. This is Mark. I just wanted to give my uh, feedback for the last episode of Blind Manor. And I had to binge watch the last five episodes in one night. And if I don't get all the characters' names pretty much intact, please excuse that. Because I can't remember because it was a while ago. But I didn't get a chance to rewatch because of everything that's going on and work and holidays. But basically, you know, overall, as a story, you know, where the main character, you know, Puppins, literally, you know, she sacrifices herself for her love and they create a life and they move along. She basically takes in all the the ghosts and, and all that that danger but in the end it ends her and we get to see uh gina Gugino or gia Gugino. i forget her name but uh that being her lover i i think because that's i think that's what that re- represents at the very end and that's what we see at the very end with all the ghosts embodying the people within the wedding party that she was telling the tale to and the fact that we get the whole story of like kate siegel's character viola willow and how that transpired and how that what was creating the hate and the anger within the home and all these ghosts and everything. To me, it was very intriguing to get to that point. You know, it it was a love story to the end. I do admit that. And it does put a tear to your eye because of what, you know, Victoria Petretti's character, Danielle, did in the, the show. And I just enjoyed it so much, you know. Amelia Eve was really great. I loved Henry Thomas, you know, the the redemption arc, as well as finding out that the kids didn't know what was going, you know, later in years, it kind of faded. 
of what had happened at Bly, and it was always considered their summer home. And that's all that they remembered it for. So to me, it was it kind of ended on a good note and a sad note at the same time. But I really enjoyed it. When I was finally able to get past episode five and finally just jump along and just binge watch it at a certain point, I had to. I couldn't sleep that night. So of all things, I, I, I woke up and I was like, I, I got to watch the rest of this. So I'm sorry I couldn't take this uh, journey with you episode by episode, but I, I really enjoy what you guys are doing, and you guys are doing great. And I must say that Paik is a cool co-imposter <laughs> among us. <laughs> so that worked out in our favor just before I started recording this. But on on top of that, I, I just love your what you guys are doing with the podcast, and I enjoy what you're doing in general, and I can't wait for what's coming next. So... I, I can't wait for Strange Indeed to come and kick back on with something really cool to watch. So I'm hoping with after the holidays, I could actually watch it and send some sort of feedback at, like week by week, which would be cool because I love weekly. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. That was awesome. Thanks, Mark. Yes. Oh, man, I... That uh, again, for those who weren't in the like game or in the know, this might be a little just like outside information. Like whatever, we don't care. But yeah, no, that was I'll forever be proud of that round where me and Mark were imposters together because yeah, man, it was one of those things where like everybody goes to one task, we're all stacked on top of each other, and so I just killed Jason. I can't believe with like seven people all standing right there, and nobody knew it was me because it was just a clump of people and then a body falling. All cloud. I didn't even see his body lying there. I just (laughs) went on with my next task, and I'm like, "What report a dead body?" We literally just started the game like ten seconds ago. No, and I just I was able to play it off, and then just like keep putting the blame onto different people throughout the game until me and Mark won at the end. And I will forever be proud of that round, even if I suck at that game for the rest of my life. (laughs) That round was beautiful. <laughs> it worked out. It worked out. That's for sure. All right. Well, it as I always say, it wouldn't be a proper episode of Strange Indeed without a voice message from our good friend, Steve. Hello, Paik and Rima. This is Steve. And here we are. We are at the end of The Haunting of Bly Manor. And uh, gosh, um, I just started rewatching it. And something occurred to me. I watched it a few times uh, last weekend or the weekend before this last one. And uh, and then I listened to y'all's podcast of uh, episode eight. And um, came to this one. And uh, or came back to this one. And I, I remember now, and I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm right. Jamie never says anything about the change in eye color of Danny, but it, it is uh, it is interesting that, that she does get those the same thing as we saw on Miles. And uh, I guess I didn't realize that the first time that uh, she actually switches place places with the Lady in the Lake and she's holding Flora, the, the eye thing is really distracting to me. Like, but in a sexy way. Is that weird? <laughs> Did we ever see Danny smoking before? So I'm, I'm unclear of something, and maybe you guys will clear this up in your in your podcast because I'm still a little confused by it. Even this much, I think I figured it out. But so I'm assuming that uh, Henry, Miles, and Flora all moved, actually moved themselves to the United States, and um, they uh, the au pair and Danny visited the United States, but their flower shop is in Bly because. Jamie was in the same clothes when she 
got to the lake. Okay. Uh, anyway, this has gone almost too long. Uh, it's very uh, heartbreaking kind of ending, but uh, it's lovely and uh, perfectly splendid. Uh, it's sad that all of them forgot except for her, but it was also nice that she spent that time with them. All right. Uh, talk to you later. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Yeah, no. Um, um, yeah, no, the the flower shop was in Vermont. Right. That's they were how still I in the it. States there. That's where they live. Because I remember, I wasn't sure on my first watch of the episode, but then the second time, because when Danny sees Viola's face in the door before she opens it, as she's walking up, there's a little like mailbox thing that says like Vermont Press or something on it. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's how I took it as well. They are in Vermont. And yeah. I think that the assumption was that when Danny, or sorry, when Jamie wakes up, when Danny has left, that she feels like she knows where she went and was maybe going going to try to stop her and realize yeah. it was too late. So I think that's because I, I mean, we didn't see any kind of like luggage or even anything with her. She just got, gets out of that, that cab when she got to Bly, it looks like she just hopped on a plane with almost nothing <laughs> is what it seems like. I don't know that she did. I mean, she wasn't, I don't think staying there at Bly, but, um, you know, that would explain why she might not have had luggage with her, but it, it, it felt like she went chasing after Danny yeah. mm-hmm. to intervene and prevent, prevent that from happening. Um, but then of course she was too late. Yeah. So and then Steve coming. also don't feel weird or strange about it because I will be in that same boat with you. I think there's something very cool and very attractive about those heterochromatic eyes. I think <laughs> definitely would be totally okay with being with somebody who had that situation. Cause I think that's, yeah, it can be pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, it can. Yeah, it can. I think it worked for Danny. I mean, she, she's just absolutely beautiful anyway. And yeah. so it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't hurt to have it on Victoria Pedretti. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's absolutely gorgeous. So yeah, I totally get that. That's funny though. Wow. Like I said, you guys left, some amazing feedback. Thank you guys. However you landed here, if it's your first time listening to us, you've been a long time listener, first time writing in. If you're, you know, long time contributor with your feedback, thank you so much for um, being on this journey with us. Cause yes. regardless of, of how often you've left feedback, if you've been listening with us and watching week to week or whether you've binged it, you are here with us and we appreciate you. So thank you guys so much. We hope that you stick around um, for more of what's to come. Yeah. What is to come, Rima? What is to come? What is to come? <laughs> well, <laughs> next week on Strange Indeed, we will be covering, because we just can't get enough of Mike Flanagan. Yeah. We are covering... Yeah, we're covering his film, which was the sequel to The Shining. That is Dr. Sleep. I haven't seen it since I watched it like premiere night in theaters. I haven't gone back and rewatched it since then. So I haven't go back in. Yeah, I haven't either. My daughter and I went when we could still go to movies. If anyone remembers what that was like, Um, (laughs) when we could go see movies in theaters, uh, we saw it in the theater and that's the last time that I saw it then. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm really anxious and I loved it. Absolutely oh, I loved did it. Did too. Yeah. So I'm very excited to go back and revisit. Yeah. 
So yeah, we're going to cover that because we're, um, we've got a little bit of a break between that and the next show that, uh, we're covering here on strange indeed. So just to, if you listen to bake off, you might've already heard, I haven't made a, a formal announcement on our social media yet, but I did mention it on, um, bake off whenever I was covering that with Jason uh, last week. So um, starting December 17th, uh, the, the new like reboot of the stand miniseries is coming back uh, to CBS all access. I'm going to be covering that here on strange indeed. And um, a mutual friend of mine and Paik's Ben Beck is going to be joining me for that one. Um, and then Paik, you're going to be joining us for some of those as well. Yes. Which we're going to work out. Will. Yeah, we're going to work out some of the details of that. So you'll you'll be on for some episodes, however we can work that out with everyone's schedules. Sometimes it's a little tough to to manage that with three people and, and lives and yeah. jobs and things like that, but we're going to do our best. So Peg is definitely not going to. No, you, look, you're hooked, man. I'm like yeah. Viola. You ain't getting out of this gravity pool, my friend. Yeah. So, so I may not be doing the whole series. <laughs> You know, it's something that Ben really wanted to do. So we definitely want to make sure Ben gets to have a lot of fun with that. But I'm definitely going to have to show up and, and talk some the stand with you guys. This, as this, much as I can. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was kind of strange how it all came about. It was very um, like, oh, that would be fun. Yeah, it would be fun. Yeah, we should do it. Yeah, we should. Well, where are we going to do it? Well, you know what? We here at Strange Indeed have a pretty long history of Stephen King. Um content, TV shows, movies we've talked about. I'm a huge fan of Stephen King. Um, so it just kind of fit. And I feel like The Stand definitely kind of fits with what we would typically cover here on Strange Indeed. So when we yeah. talked, I was like, why don't we just do it here? We'll, 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 we'll publish it here. Um, so it just kind of made sense. And um, But like I said, Paik isn't allowed to go very far from me. No. He has to stay very close. I live here now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have not letting you out of my gravitational pull. Um, so yeah, I, I've Paik has agreed to, to help us cover some of that. And I think we're going to have yes. a lot of fun and I hope that you guys will join us for Dr. Sleep next week. And I hope that you will join us um, when we cover the stand. Um, hopefully some more details to come about that. Um, you know, that's, and that's going to be, Hey guys, that's a weekly show. You can't, you can't binge that one. So I don't know yeah. what to tell you. you, you For, yeah, no, you're being forced by the show itself to have to go. Every yeah. Day. The, the, these are not my rules. I don't make them. Um, <laughs> but I'm, yeah. It makes Dr. Sleep even more of a perfect transition thing to do at the beginning. Cause we're getting Mike Flanagan transitioning into doctor uh, to into Stephen King. So what better way than the episode between them to do a Stephen King adapted thing. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are excited for you to follow us to Bly Manor, but until then, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com, and you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at Podcastica.com, and go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcast. Um. Yeah, check out um, House Podcastica, if you're not mm. already, uh, Jason, Chris, and Rich are covering season two of The Mandalorian right now. And wow. <laughs> I mean, I know I say it every week, but it, every episode that, because Mandalorian's weekly, and every episode that has come out just, oh my God. I, I think so I can't be wowed any more than what I was the previous week, but 
they do. They continue to wow me every week. And I, it sounds, yeah. I mean, if you're not, if you're watching, you know, if you're not watching, you're probably, you probably think I'm sounding kind of dumb about it, but I promise you it's the truth. <laughs> it's a really great show. So it check is. out the Mandalorian and check out house podcasticus coverage of the Mandalorian. Those guys do a fantastic job um, every week. Mm-hmm. And because we love talking about great podcasts here on the show, you have to check out Pake's other podcast called run for yes, your lives. Please. That he covers with our good friend Daphne. You guys are covering monster movies and creature features, and you can find them anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcasts and at runforyourlivespodcast.com. Do you have mm-hmm. a sneak peek for us this week, Pake? I do. The episode coming up this weekend will be our first time getting to dive into a 2020 release, an actual new movie. Nice. And so we were really excited to do that and ended up loving it, which made it even better. It's a movie that came out in October to, I think it had a small theater run and then mainly, you know, at home downloads and stuff on Prime. On demand, right? Yeah. On demand, a movie called Love and Monsters, which was a lot of fun. It was very fun. It's got Michael Rooker, Dylan O'Brien. I feel really bad that I can't think of her name right now, but she played Colin Wing on the like Netflix Defenders series, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage and stuff. Okay, cool. Well, I love Rooker. So Mm -hmm. anything with Rooker, that's (laughs) awesome. Well, we look forward to that. Jessica Henwick, I think is her name. I think it just came to me. Oh, there you go. You got it in there. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Paige. And Lily is strange indeed.